Hey, everybody. I'm, I'm still so queued up for the wolf howl. <laughs> yeah. So I knew I had you right away. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to uh, our production of Turkey Lurkey from uh, Promises Promises. No, we are X's for Show. Check us out all over at X's for Show on your social. I'm Nico. You can check me out at Nico Action. And I'm Leah Michelle doing a remix with, uh, what's the other one they do? Oh, Let's Have a Kiki. Oh, God. That was truly a dark time for humanity. Uh, no, I'm actually TK. You can't spell Thanksgiving without TK. You can find true. me on uh, all of the socials at TK Elemental. I actually have a fan theory what? that the whole Turkey Lurkey uh, Let's Have a Kiki mashup is actually that they dropped acid. Mm. Uh, but I, here, I was going to say carbon monoxide poisoning. I'm okay with that, too. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, that didn't make anyone's list on this marathon. Uh, it, but I it actually does, did think about it, but I do think it's an abomination. When it does, I'll be the SJP to your Leah Michelle. And until then, I am Kevo, and you can find me at Kevo Really. Does okay. that make Nico the Kurt? Oh, my God. He wouldn't that. hate that. Actually, I would be the Leah Michelle and Kevo would be the Kurt, just for clarity. So sake. I'm but... Sarah Michelle. Uh, I'm Sarah Jessica Parker. No, you're Sarah Michelle Geller in that number. Totally. Oh, she would have been um, great on Glee. Yes. I just want to point out, I actually think it's that with the way the rules of the Glee universe work, what it seems to me is that the magic works as a result of a group of them getting together. And part of what happens is the magic fractures to New York. And while the magic was more than enough to power the school and the town, the magic simply isn't enough to power all of New York by itself. So it kind of like withers and dies in New York. And that's Is that, that what kills Finn Hudson. No, he doesn't go to New York, so it's and, unrelated. Well, so then, but the splitting of the magic. Well, yeah, and so then the new kids come to New York, and it it reinvigorates the magic. I don't know. I have a whole thing. I think Lee ultimately good arc. Anyway, uh, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough of my theories on Glee. We're here to talk about Thanksgiving. Um, you know, one of the things I really love is that Kevo loves to make like TV marathon lists, and. I love being a part of those lists with him every year. We put on the Christmas list, a Christmas Halloween list at Halloween. Uh, and, you know, it's always fun to kind of put them on at like random times too. You know, like if it's just been like abominably hot and it's been kind of like a bummer summer, you know, you can throw on the Christmas list and like have a cool, fun, smiley time. Uh, you know, but kind of like a big time bummer is that in the course of prepping for our 24 hours of Thanksgiving episode, I kind of realized maybe it was a good thing that we collectively agreed on a shared 24 hours because there's genuinely just not enough Thanksgiving uh, material. And I wonder I wonder why that is when Americans do treat this as like the Super Bowl of eating. I have lots of thoughts on that. And I you you remember when we were talking about this, I was like, I don't think we should do this because there's not 24 hours of content between us. Because last one we did was Halloween. Uh, and the Halloween one, to be fair, was more broad. It was scary stuff for Halloween. Um, you know, like I picked 
all of these 90s movies, many of which have nothing to do with the actual holiday of Halloween. They're just scary and a good time. Thanksgiving doesn't have, like, a really solid theme like that. Um, <clears throat> there were lots of movies that were suggested for, like, being Thanksgiving movies, if you Google, like, what's a good Thanksgiving movie? And, like, all of the lists and descriptions are specifically, like, this movie has nothing to do with Thanksgiving, but, like, the family eats dinner together, and what's more Thanksgiving than that? Which is such a different vibe than how Halloween is the scary holiday. Right. And, you know, it's it's funny because Halloween, there are a bunch of Halloween movies, but then there are a bunch of movies that are just appropriate around Halloween. Whereas Christmas, there are just a ton of Christmas movies. There are so many Christmas movies. Uh, I think we, if we decide to do it again in February, we would probably have to do another eight hours. But I think it would be an easier eight hours per person. So one 24-hour marathon rather than three. I think that would be an easier one to fill than Thanksgiving. I think we all just got about the right number of things. And unless we go like deep diving into like you know, Maud and all in the family and family, you know. Exactly. Like, yeah. I think if we did something like that, we could yeah. do it next year because, right. like, there, there's definitely stuff I cut. And that's, yeah. even specifically, when I found that I was getting enough stuff, I thought about putting friends in, but when I found that I was getting enough content that I was like, I don't, I don't need to have friends at all, that's why, that's when I decided to lean forward that I... That's when I started to lean toward that idea of, well, you know, Friends is one of the things that is the most synonymous in a lot of American pop culture with Thanksgiving. And so what are, you know, a lot of things that aren't Friends? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I I definitely found stuff. And I think I could probably find more like there's a few things that I cut, but I, I wouldn't have been able to fill an entire 24-hour marathon by myself. Certainly not without at least the five hours of Friends. Yeah. Well, and I want to add that, like, it's almost as if there's an effort to suppress some of it. And I, uh, you know, I'm the first person to be like, cultural sensitivity, watch yourself. This is not like the day that we remember how good Americans were to the native people of North America when we got here. It's not that kind of story. So, like, you know, I do understand the number of cultural sensitivities. But, like, reality programming from as recently as 2019 and 2021 has been taken down from the food network website. And I know that's an, you know, that's indirect result of the David Zazalaza vacation of, you know, the Warner brothers package. But like I went to look at a wait for it. Carson Cressley reality competition called a battle for the bird where it was like, make the best Turkey. It's gone. It's like not available for streaming on anything, which sounds oddly familiar to Carson Kressley's rap battle. And here's the thing that actually makes me think about we joke, I guess not joke, but we trivialize that the reason that we find it frustrating that we can't get our hands on some of this like super cool holiday lost media is because bird me bird. But like, it's actually more because, like, you know, in some ways, it's important to talk about because Carson Kressley, not that Carson Kressley is hurting for fucking money, but, like, a lot of these guys are. And, like, you know, they look forward to that Cindy package, that rights deal, that, you know, ongoing royalties. So it is kind of shocking how many of these things that I went to find Thanksgiving-related that you can't. That's so yeah. weird. 
Um, I imagine a lot of, especially when you're talking about the reality TV production stuff, has to do with like the production company itself and the deals that were signed uh, and how they were just trying to kind of get stuff on air. Uh, but overall, you know, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, divorced from any actual recognition of the history of Thanksgiving. The history of Thanksgiving is pretty terrible. Uh, we should always recognize that we are uh, living on stolen, occupied land, and uh, we should always be doing better. I just like to take the day off and cook. I just like that I get, you know, a day off to to make a huge meal. And if I can, I only wish that we had a more multicultural example to point to of, or diverse, you know, culture example to point to of, like the Norman Rockwellification. I want a friend's gifting that looks like that, but it's got to be a friend's yeah. giving that looks like that. It's got to yeah. be like the actual representation of the diversity of the cultures that I run in. Yeah. Um, but there is a, a beauty to it. It's why I put on like my favorite brown and blue shirt that I might wear to Thanksgiving. Because Yeah, harvest colors. There's a good feeling to it. Tonight for yeah. dinner, we had a strong, thick, creamy soup because yesterday the temperature dropped 20 degrees to today. And uh, tonight I'm going to make cinnamon buns because Thanksgiving has a palate to it. Yeah. And uh, there's a richness to it that you're right. It has a horrible cultural history, but it has a delectable cultural zeitgeist now that I think is a really important part of what we love about uh, the early fall. And it's, uh, I don't know, for me, it's sort of uh, divorced from Christmas nonsense and chaos and meals. I know people do make really good meals at Christmas, and sometimes I do as well. But it's also like everybody's got, like, there's presents involved. Everybody's got to be in a certain place. Uh, you know, it can get really high strong at, at Christmas time. Uh, for me, Thanksgiving has always been the meal is happening please come or don't come and it's just a day of cooking and chilling out and eating no pressure no religious connotations at this point no like historical connotations either we've really in my like sphere of people in my family and all that we've really cut that off we you know try and recognize that uh linking it to the arrival of the pilgrims is just not something we need to do. The last uh, time the Mayflower Madam was interesting to me involved a Liz Fair song. There you go. And so, you know, it's just a day to, it's a day off to cook. And that's, for me, the best thing you could ask for from a holiday. That's why my thing is always, it's like the opening feast of the Christmas season. That's why Santa's at the end of the parade, because it's ushering in it being okay to play Christmas music and people will shut up about having to hear it. Yeah. Um, that including me. But I love you. I, I spent the whole day working on Christmas music. And, you know, no shame. Um, oh, no, I guess. No, you not, actually not definitely didn't, which we uh, talked about before this. I did uh, I did switch gears at the last second. But um, no, You've I think. You've been working. Yeah, I think part of what really gets complicated is because Thanksgiving is such a uniquely American idea in this identity of, you know, the Thanksgiving tradition. If we were to try and reclaim it into something uh, a little bit more modernized and we went with something like Friendsgiving, the cultural connotation of what makes a Friendsgiving is very of the moment. Right. I think like 
uh, Friendsgiving at the time of Friends was a little bit different. Like I was thinking the other day about how much Festivus is gone. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, that's so interesting because uh, there's, you know, uh, people who still swear by Seinfeld. I mean, that guy is still, you know, raking it in. Jason Alexander over Julie, Julie, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. It's hard to say her name. Um, every day with reruns of Seinfeld. But like, where's Festivus gone? You know, there is something weird about the way we latch on to the identity of holidays. Uh, Galentine's Day, gone. That yeah. lasted like all of four years, an Amy Poehler special, and one run of cards. Because I think the thing is, as time goes on, you can integrate. Uh, I Thanksgiving to me is about the day to give thanks and be grateful, to have the people in your life that are right. able to be there. Like I said, to stop, to cook a big meal, to open your home, to open your table, and just to be grateful for, you know, it's it's kind of like uh, another end of the year celebration. Grateful for what I've had this year, grateful who's in for who's in my life. Like I said, no historical connections. For me, Christmas, I would be a Festivus person because I am uh, an agnostic Jew uh, who has celebrated Christmas. I mean, my my... Jewish father was the one of the bigger Christmas people in my life growing up like we celebrated Christmas but I just don't as time went on you know we my family cared about Christmas less than I didn't see my family as much for Christmas I just cared about Christmas less and as I have come back around to the tradition it is not in any religious way and it's not right. really in any uh real recognition of the holiday it's more just like it's the entire culture that shifts so i you know i dip my feet in a little bit i i don't go as all out as other people do my house isn't decorated i don't usually get a tree but like i get presents for the people that i love if there's like a cute little christmasy thing we can do i might do it there's a tree lighting in my town and like the main square later this week might go to that uh but it's, you know, for me, it's about kind of just the culture of the time and less like, about. There's probably like a fall festival in your yeah, town exactly. as well. They probably exactly. do something in spring around Easter and you're not yeah. exactly out here celebrating Easter. But no, but that's another one where I'll usually make food, you know, Easter or Passover. In my family, we used to have Eastover um, where we would just Never do. Never heard that. I like that. Yeah, it's it's like it's a Christmica. Um we would just do a big meal in that springtime because they were usually around the same time as each other. One of my parents is Jewish. The other one was not. And so, we, you know, we would just do this meal. I can see you, Nico. I just saw that laugh there. I know there's a joke. I, mean, I was just thinking about how much I really enjoyed the spinoff of Witches of Eastwick, the Wizards of Waverly Eastover. There you go. That didn't even make any sense. Not it a made a ton of sense. Of Everybody fuck off and eat your turkey. I'm going to. I'm so excited. Uh, I hope we have leftovers this year. We're going to have fewer people, so maybe. We, 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 I feel like we have fewer and fewer leftovers every year, and it makes me I, sad. Is, it, is the turkey happening at the, uh, the Action House? Oh, yeah. yeah. It is. With the new oven. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. New oven and new stove, so it's going to be doubly exciting. Well, okay, so... We have a question uh, from Cyborg, right? 
And, uh, you know, not only is he an amazing member of the Titans in the Justice League, but Cyborg says, uh, from the UK point of view, why is Thanksgiving so special in the United States? I think it has to do with the idea that, like, we as a people sort of all did become very uniquely ingrained in our identity of America, right? Like East coast America is very different. Northern East coast America is very different from Southern East coast. America is very different from West coast America. There's such divisions of identity. The idea that we had two times a year, these parallel seasons, July and November for independence day and for Thanksgiving, where they sort of represented the identity of that time of year, but for Americans to come together and sort of like have anything that they like about each other. I think that might have to do with the cultural identification of it. Uh, Another really big one, uh, Cyborg, it is basically for almost everybody, uh, except some retail employees, a guaranteed four-day weekend. You usually get some for some people, it's five. You often get Wednesday, Thursday, then Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. But for almost everybody, it is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and so it becomes a big uh, for one. It's, it's just great. That's if, if you're working, you know, if you have an office job or something, that's just awesome. Uh, four day weekend is awesome, but it also becomes uh, one of the two times that because of that much time off, you can reasonably be expected to connect with family. If you're close to your family, uh, Christmas being the other one where there's a general expectation that um, you will be able to get there and be with your family. So it's big as like an excuse to be around loved ones, which is beautiful if you have a family that you love and do want to spend time with and do want to celebrate with. If you don't have that, it just becomes uh, either, you know, great four day weekend or like this weird sort of like, I've got to figure out how to celebrate this holiday and enjoy myself while also knowing that like one of the big movers of the holiday, the fact that you are supposed to be together with family is not something that's there for me. So it's just a lot of like time to think and reflect for both positive and negative reasons in American culture. Uh, And to build off of both of those first you, then Nico, uh, this was also before Black Friday culture became such a huge thing over the last decade. Yeah. Uh, it didn't, I was, I was still working retail right as Black Friday was genuinely starting to explode to the point where I had to go in at three o'clock in the morning on Thanksgiving day to work. Uh, it, it, I don't, I don't, I don't really, I try not to pay attention to the sales now because I just keep praying. It's Black Friday is dying because they're not, they're not doing Because it was ridiculous. It, got it, well, it used to be, you know, back in the day, it really used to be you could get a flat screen TV, which was a minimum $500 purchase. There would be three at the door for $60. And that's how they got everybody lined up because somebody was going to get the $60 TV. And now, that exploded and exploded and exploded. It, and, it, and the the demand became so high that they just stopped, you know, they'll say 5% off, 10% off, and people still line up like crazy. But during COVID, everybody realized that this is insane and we're not actually getting any bargains. So I think Black Friday is actually really on its way out. And I'm kind of excited to see 
how this one goes because there's not really a hot item there's no sales and all our retail stores are dying anyway so i mean like i think it's just becoming more and more like who can get on amazon the fastest before the you know black friday lightning deal strikes out um also though if i can right yeah. like <clears throat> i already did a bunch of my black friday shopping through amazon yeah, yeah. And they just keep being like do you want this for really cheap do you want that for really cheap also so jonah rubino points yeah. out uh, jonah oh, that's horrible jonah points out that um you know that he only gets off on uh thursday he doesn't have off on friday so uh he really needs our 24 hour marathon to be uh a clear way to it's cut gotta be stacked. the nonsense yeah. and uh, get to the heart of uh, Thanksgiving goodness. Let's so, get uh, into it. Let's uh, make sure that nobody's got anything else they uh, want to get into before we move on. You know, for me, when we're talking about Thanksgiving, I think one of the things that, <clears throat> I think one of the things that's really important to think about is how much like early childhood programming had things aimed at, uh, aimed at us like Rugrats and other Nicktoons. Kevo, I know that like one of the big things that you often put on these Thanksgiving lists are like episodes of Sabrina and Rugrats and like how many things like that actually programmed our response on Thanksgiving, I think in so many ways. I don't know. I think there is something to be said about the way that TGIF taught us Thanksgiving is a staple. I know yes, if anybody else had anything. Well, I'm just because I had said, you know, general statements before we move on. I'm going to cut the turkey in a minute. I just want to make sure everybody gets to say grace. I wasn't expecting a fully loaded question. I already had something that was going to be a response to something else you said. I was not expecting Go for a response relating to the new thing. No, I just wanted to also say I wanted to build on your thing of how Thanksgiving is something that unifies us as a country, something I constantly run up against. And it's I, I wanted to make sure I made a point of it because it's from uh, someone from the UK. A lot of the cultural difference that we don't really, uh, that it's difficult for us to communicate through is there isn't really an understanding of how disproportionate our size is. Um, we're like twice, three times the size of Europe or something. I always mean to look up the exact, like how large we are in compared to the UK in comparison to Europe. And so I think there is a really huge misunderstanding of how big the United States really is at times and how necessary it is for us to have these things. Like, and I love that you brought up the 4th of July. That was a really important one to bring up too. Uh, and us having these things that tie us together culturally, culturally as a nation, it's why they're important to us and it's why uh, they stick out. Because we are so big and so diverse that it takes these things to make sure that we remember we're supposed to be a country. We're not just a loose collection of states pretending that we're, you know, all the same party. Oh, I'm so bummed out. I just realized that I couldn't support your point of, you know, the, <clears throat> you know, the, the dimensionality differences between Europe and America uh, because my risk board is actually in the room with you, uh, not with me. So, because, uh, you know, obviously we all know that the risk board is exact to scale for the size of the world. Um, but let's get into uh, our... I just pointed out, Texas is four or five times bigger than the UK. So, yeah, like, there you go. It, that's why we need stuff like this. So, well, 
I am super excited to get into something that is one third as big as our last marathon list. Uh, And, you know, like we said, for good reason, there's just not quite the same wealth, but I'm very excited to get into our marathon. Uh, 24 minutes in, let's get into 24 hours of Thanksgiving. Uh, Does anybody want to go first? Anybody want to take that dive into carving the turkey first? I'm down with any order, honestly. TK, I would love for you to go first because one of the things I loved about your list is your list has diversity. My yeah. list really doesn't, which is uh, because one of my things is five hours long. Um, it's the Ken Burn jazz of stuffing. So, um, you know, talk to me, Teak, about your Thanksgiving list. I mean, mine is kind of just uh, a mix of things that are representative of what I love. And feature Thanksgiving in most cases. In a couple cases, it's a little light and is one of those, like, I wanted to get this show in the marathon, even though Thanksgiving maybe only gets a minor mention. Um, But I just felt like some of these actually really stuck with me. And Kevo, if you want to pull up my my slide. um, First one. Right off the bat, Buffy pangs i'm a big uh buffy season four evangelist i know there's a lot wrong with it uh but as somebody who loves what buffy started doing in season three through season five and six even really six uh, i think it kind of dies at seven but with this idea that they're all growing and growing up and growing psychologically Uh, And exploring their weird psychologies and their craziness. Pangs is such a good one because it is Buffy having grown old enough that the side of her that is not a superhero, her civilian side, is no longer, it literally is now an adult, is over 18, is no longer a little girl. And also everybody's starting to realize that Buffy the girl is also Buffy the vampire slayer. So she really is not a little girl. And everybody stops treating her like that, including Joyce, who goes away for Thanksgiving this year. And Buffy realizes that she's just sad that nobody is making her Thanksgiving dinner. And she just wants a Thanksgiving dinner. She says, she, you know, I, I smell a roasting turkey and I'm eight years old again. I just want to, you know, she just wants to be a kid again for a second. So she yeah. puts together this unhinged Thanksgiving dinner that is so ill-advised in the midst of um, a, speaking of ill-advised, weirdly uh, both cognizant of uh, indigenous peoples and also I imagine in no way uh you know, paying indigenous people to write this episode or consult on this episode uh, or do anything. But like, I give them credit. They got the tribe vaguely correct uh, for what the tribe would be. You know, it's the Shumash people uh, that would be in the general area that they're in. But uh, I think probably at the end of the day, the uh, spirit of the native American man that is attacking them, it's probably a little offensive uh and there's a lot of other stuff that's up the out there so like it very much if i can accept it for what it is and how it fails and buffy has failed in a lot of ways it's still uh i think it's a really classic thanksgiving story for a classic show 
And I think one of the things that makes this episode sort of unique is that Buffy was seeking to hit all of the cultural touch points of growing up. And I think your first holiday by yourself is a cultural touch yes. point. Yeah. And I don't know that I think Buffy season four is bad. I think Buffy season four isn't as good as season seven because there are things in the cultural touch points of seven that hit me a little better. The ones in four, I don't know, there's a nihilism to it, but that's a lot of people's family Thanksgivings and that's even a bunch of people's uh, Friendsgivings. You know what I mean? So like, I think there is a, a dimension to it that really is an important part of how Buffy is a choose your own narrative. Very few people are on for all seven seasons, but we all connect with it the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's a cute one. It's got comedy. It's got, uh, it tries to address the fact that the holiday is not necessarily, uh, where it started. I really I, feel weird. Sorry, go but, ahead. No. I think it also really addresses uh, everybody's ambivalence. You know, Willow is really gung ho about the fact that this is a bad holiday. It's an offensive holiday. And even this villain, this uh, Native American man that they have uncovered, um, who, you know, is, is a spirit trying to get revenge on them. He maybe deserves the revenge because they stole his land and the rest of the gang doesn't really want to acknowledge doesn't it. know what to do with that yeah yeah giles just doesn't want to because it's this, this guy is killing people so it just is wrong buffy doesn't want to because she's having this obsessive you know idea of having the thanksgiving xander uh got syphilis from the uh vengeful spirit so he's trying to get that fixed so you know willow willow isn't wrong and nobody ever argues successfully that she is wrong but they also aren't going to let this guy exact the revenge that he maybe does deserve to have. So I feel like in that way, it very much honors this conversation that a lot of us have where, you know, I, I said earlier, we're on stolen land, but I'm not giving my house back. So like, what do we do? We're all trying to reconcile that. Yeah. Now, what else did you have on your list? Cause I see there's another show that I often joke hits the exact same uh, speed. Oh, okay. Going Is that where you're going to? <laughs> I, I, I was going down. West Wing. You were going to West Wing. Yeah, well, that was that's where I was going next. It even has I the was, inversion yeah. rate. Like for Buffy, it's one through three, then four through seven. For West Wing, it's one through four, then three through seven. Um and I just need to say, I'm so grateful. This is from the run of the best three yeah. seasons. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's from two through four because, God damn it, if you had found something in five or six, I just wouldn't have been part of this. No, part. I would have used the bathroom. Uh, no, absolutely not. And there's another Thanksgiving episode that is also in one or, or that's in three or four. I think it's in four. Uh, but this is just so. Uh, the other thing about my marathon is I think you can watch most of the episodes even if you haven't seen the show. There's one I'm going to say you absolutely should that. not. Uh, but like part of this was, can you actually do this marathon? Can you throw this stuff on? Uh, West Wing does a really funny thing. They don't always do previously on the West Wing, but if they do, there are two kinds. One is uh, Aaron Sorkin has contrived some Gilbert and Sullivan meets science fiction idea of what is happening in his fictional America. He will be the very model of a modern network TV show. That's okay. from Studio 60. Uh, I, I did try and think if I could somehow get that on here too. 
uh, or newsroom. Uh, but the the they often his insane contrived ideas for what is going on in his fictional America require multiple episodes to get through. So your previously on is going to be explaining the stupid idea of the fake country that he made up and why the ambassador from the fake country was there last episode and now we're on this episode. But the other previously on that they do very regularly is just every cast member introducing themselves and their job in the White House so that if this is your first episode, you know who everyone is going going into it. You know, Allison Janney will say, I'm CJ Craig. I'm the White House press uh, press secretary. And Martin Sheen will say, I'm the president of the united states and it just go every single every now and then you get uh that's toby and it's like somebody points at toby well it's really funny (laughs) yes toby is the only one who never gets it because nobody cares you know rob lowe's got to explain why he's looking so sexy at the white house but nobody cares about toby uh so this is one of those episodes so if you've never seen the west wing they will explain everything that's going on which is just literally who they are right at the start of it and then it's just an episode about uh the the couple days around thanksgiving it's a really simple uh storyline i mean it's not simple it's complicated but it's about you know people it's also very sorkin it's about people fleeing religious persecution in many different ways which sorkin thinks is so noble like the pilgrims did because they were so noble uh sorkin's idealized uh, you know americana that he just looks back on and then there's this very funny storyline where allison janney has to pick a turkey uh for a stay of execution from the president and it's just very funny and it's very stupid and the religious allegory stuff is really overwrought and just tells you how kind of uh bill maher white liberal straight heterosexual man aaron sorkin is but in a way that the the writing is still good like even if the ideas are stupid you can laugh at them and the writing is still good uh if you don't want to support it just pirate it bill burr says crazy stuff but he's still annoyingly attractive oh god don't get me started Uh. so yeah that's uh that's that one it's a good episode of the west wing it's a good thanksgiving episode of the west wing if you can accept that the west wing has some really stupid ideas about what makes a good man or woman. Well, and hold on though. If what? we get a past, uh, a past, pass. anything from the past. Yeah. Right. If we're like writing this check for things like I love Lucy. Yeah. Where, I mean, there's times where Ricky is kind of like, you spent $8 on a blender. Get me that blender. I'm going to smash your head in with it. Like, I'm, I, mean, I also, I'm not writing passes for I Love Lucy, but go ahead. No, but like we culturally do. We go, oh, it's from a time. It's classic. I'm not saying that the West Wing gets a pass for its cultural insensitivities, but it was actually progressive. Yeah. Other shows that operated under the confines of a show that contained legalities uh, often were like, let's reinforce the need for American standardized mandatory minimums. And yeah. the West Wing was like, let's do whole episodes about how if you support mandatory minimums, uh, there's a 99.999% chance you're racist. Yeah, 100%. And it's there. The other Thanksgiving episode is actually about uh, indigenous people coming to the white house to talk about the fact that you know everybody's living on stolen land uh it's just this one that goes with the narrative of the people that came here fleeing religious persecution that are the reason we celebrate thanksgiving 
were noble people. And we see examples of that kind of nobility throughout the world today from other religious people. Uh, it's just, it is a very sorkinized idea of what nobility is. But they didn't know how to say shibboleth, so... There you go, yeah. Watch it so you can understand the whole shibboleth metaphor. Anyway, let's move on to a much better show with a much better Thanksgiving episode. Top right. Yeah, I was going to say, know, you have to tell us which one. <laughs> great pick, great era. You know, yeah. this is a show that does four distinct eras. Yep. And every, uh, every season is an era. This is season one. This uh, is the pop girl era. This is the pop girl era. This is the, uh, you really, because it's two, two musicals, two songs per episode, sometimes three, very rarely three. Uh, and early on, you're really seeing them recognize their influences each i mean throughout the show really each song is very recognizable as parroting either a style of song or like a very recognizable song itself and this one has two really great ones uh i give good parent which is about how rebecca <laughs> impresses parents uh yes jonah i give good parent is a certified banger that is correct uh and if you watch this episode which you should and you think that it is a certified banger, go find the soundtrack because uh, it is cleaned up for TV and the not cleaned up lyrics are really filthy and really funny. Uh, this is another one that like, this falls right in the middle. It is a little difficult to understand everything that is happening in all the character relationships if this is the first episode that you watch. But... It is actually not the worst drop-in episode. If you want to just get an idea of what the show is about, uh, how it functions, what the musical numbers are like, to see if you would even like it, and then you want to go back and start it from the, the beginning, this is one where like nothing plot-heavy has happened that you would want to see revealed serially throughout the story. Uh, you're, you're not going to get spoiled on anything is basically my point. Uh, but you get uh, I Give Good Parent, Certified Banger, as Jonah said, and then Hey West Covina, which is um, like kind of Piano Man. Right. Uh, I this one. Yeah, and it's not the best song on the show at all, but um, it does really give what's his name? Um, Greg. Greg, but I was the actor's name. Very Fontana. Very, thank you. Oh, Shoo Shoo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It, it gives him, uh, you know, time to shine. Greg is one of my favorites. Uh, I was sort of heartbroken when he was replaced by Skylar Aston, even though I love Superior Greg. No, not correct. Uh, but yeah, by Superior, maybe actor and musical theater, like singer, but not Superior Greg. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, anyway. but he could if he wanted to. Oh, that's that's my favorite song. I was actually really I knew it wasn't on here, but I was really hoping it was. Um that was probably the best gif I have ever sent you. Well, it's not, but it could if it wanted to. Uh, we were so yeah. really hoping he would be a surprise guest, original Greg at the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend live show. Me too. In instead, the surprise guest at the other show was Lynn Manuel Miranda. Oh. Why even? My. It's nice. Happy for Tori. Well, it uh, ultimately it's because that's how she got the show, right? Lynn's uh, broke up for her. So, anyway, just a really good, fun episode. And then, last but not least, on this first page. So, well, now let me ask you because I, I believe 
from what I understand yeah. of mm-hmm. Seattle Grace. Yeah. Right. Um, if this is a. Well, if there's a thing. <laughs> If there's a Thanksgiving episode, it involves a portal to um, actual like colonial times, and like they actually have to now, treat soldiers from back then. That's that's is, only when you get past season eleven. This is season two, so everything is still they've they've still a, got the the catalog of regular hospital occurrences to go through. No, I'm not familiar. This is a medical drama. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of the show before. So uh, Anatomy. It's sort of like uh, if if the ladies of Sex in the City were to say, "I'm sick of brunch. Let's pick up some scalpels." Oh, so it's Gray Santa Anna. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm Grace. I'm into this. Um, yeah. Well, I hope it does well. Uh, I don't think it's gonna go I anywhere. Wish- I wish them luck. Season two. I don't, you know, could sophomore slump. This is early knows? days. Early yeah. days. Good luck without J.R. Knight. What's his we'll name? Just have T.R. Knight. Knight. That's it. T.R. Knight. You were so close. <laughs> T.S. Matt. It's T.S. Madison. Uh, she they is are serving cunt. Yeah. Um, uh, have her come in as George and just don't explain it. Just he's back. Yes, he's back. Hey, Queens. Uh, yeah, Ghost. this is. Um, this is another one where uh, maybe not like the greatest point to jump in from, but also nothing spoiled, nothing really. Uh, you can, If you've never seen an episode of Grey's Anatomy and you're on a Thanksgiving kick and you want to fuse those two, this is just them doing Thanksgiving and it kind of, you'll get a general idea of what's going on here. Poor George. Uh, he's just a nerdy doctor and his... Uh, Wait, but which one of them is McDreamy? And I just want to say... They really upped the makeup budget on this show because Ellen Pompeo in the upper right looks terrible. Yeah, really, yeah, it truly. Takes a while to get their bearings. I didn't check, and I almost don't want to because I'd rather <laughs> believe a Thanksgiving miracle. But this brother in the front is that Paula's husband from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? No, he's at least that guy who looks like that guy. Yes, he is that okay. guy that looks like that guy, but it's not Paula's husband. The way I thought that Paula's guy. Husband... That... Yeah. yeah, I thought that guy was the guy in the thing we just watched in um, Miss Congeniality 2, but he's not the guy from Boy Meets World. Right. But Paula's husband is in Miss Congeniality 1. One. And neither of them are this guy. Yeah. Okay. Now, can you just actually, though, for me, what? Um, with Grey's Anatomy running nearly 20 years, right? Yep. Have they done like multiple Thanksgiving episodes, like in like a, a like tradition way. Like I know. Tree no, Horror surprisingly few. Really? Uh, yeah. I think they do. Done... They have a holiday that they traditionalize at all. No, I mean like they, okay. of course they, of course do a lot of Christmas episodes. How many people uh, get like impaled by Christmas tree? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm no, like I'm virtually I'm sure. Certain. Uh, that that's, that's one of them. They do Christmas episodes. They did a really, a Halloween one, like a season eight or nine that I was actually very impressed by, uh, cause it's a lot of jump scares and it's very like Halloween contrivancy, but they make it work 
just right just to the point where you're like this is silly but it's also kind of funny the way that like if somebody snuck up on you while you were like working on a chart in a hospital and you didn't hear them that would cause you to jump scare and if you have music in the background and you could do the music it's gonna seem scary it would be there yeah do you know what would make me like really probably be about a show if they did that and the doctor was scared and like fucking just killed the person with their clipboard and and then they Something like that do does it. happen. But no, and then it's the season. Like that's yeah, like done. it goes full protect Laura Flynn Boyle on right. the practice. Yeah. Uh I think that's a brilliant idea. So yeah, they've done Halloween. They they've done a bunch of Christmas ones, but yeah, they don't there's no holiday that they really that they you know, every year you know you're getting an episode. In large part because at this point they've had so many seasons that have like had to go on long hiatus between seasons True. and and um they dilate time a bit right like where oh, yeah. it's like suspended and compressed like a uh, break yeah like after um after patrick dempsey leaves because his character dies uh that's like no no the... his character dies in his body slowly awake and aware so that it's don't talk about it upsets me um <laughs> When his character dies, the that's like the third to last episode of the season, and then um, Ellen Pompeo disappears for in universe an entire year, and they basically don't hear from her, and she comes back before the season has ended, but a year has passed, so it's not even like a summer break. Um, sometimes the so summer it's Rose going to rehab on Golden Girl. She's right. gone for a month, but like what month? Right. It's two and a half minutes. Right. Which month? Where? But that year is like a big, um, you know, they, they, they do an episode where like every 10 minutes they've jumped forward a month. And you and this happens a few times where like, uh, you know, people's hair changes, like the status of their relationship changes. And it'll just be like, uh, well, you know, we fought and got divorced 10 minutes ago. Oh, did you now? Yeah. Thanks for letting us know. Okay. But yeah, this is this is season two, so this is before all that. This is just the cute little original cast and all their cute little original cast relationship drama just trying to do Thanksgiving. If you're looking for a medical drama from a simpler time with a Thanksgiving episode, this will get you there. Now get me to the next thing. Show me. Bring yeah, me more go. Thanksgiving. Bring let's me go. figgy pudding. I won't go until like Okay. Oh, we got some animated delights. Yes. But I do need to say, yeah, this is on your list. Yeah, it's also on your list. Part of it is on yeah. my Technically. List. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, I, you know, uh, this is a classic. I'm not a Charlie Brown Christmas person, so this is mine. Yeah. That's uh, all I, I got. I got the soundtrack on my list, so I get yeah. it. respect it. It's 30 minutes long. Guys, just go have fun with it. Uh, we'll go down next. Sure. So this is one of the ones that, like, this is not a Thanksgiving episode, but this is an all-holiday episode, and it is uh, metafictional, uh, and they do mention Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I think you and I think you do see him very briefly. All of the holidays are personified, and uh, the three of them are causing mischief. And other holidays have come into the real world from Holiday Island to find the three that are causing mischief. And the cast of Daria has to help them out. It's silly and stupid. And you get to meet 
uh, all you know, Valentine's Day and St. Patrick's I Day. I loved this concept that all of the Saints' days are yes, just, are like, just one of the mill alabaster students. white people. Well, and hilarious. What's yep. great about this episode is if it's just sort of the generic holiday, then Cyborg saying that in the back in the day they had to wait six months for the USA shows to pop up in the UK. So Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas would air in the spring, summer back in the UK. So uh, then whenever this aired, it was just fucking this fine. Was, yeah, it's, March, still, just, it's still just as relevant. You can use this one for any holiday you want. I do want to say you really, though, oh, by you got to respect a show that will put out their holiday episode whenever they need to. Like I have a community episode on here that aired in March because their season was held. And so it ended up airing in March and that's just tough cookies. Uh, You're not going to remember in two years when it aired, you're only going to watch it on Thanksgiving anyway. So it doesn't matter. Yep. I think Dan Harmon was pretty visionary for being cool with that. You know, and while I think most of the, Honestly, I really enjoy Daria even now. I think yeah. most of the humor, like in a bubble, sort of aged as well as the male protagonist of a TV film based on the Verve Pipes, The Freshman. Um, I okay. don't think it would be a thing that people who have never interacted with Daria, who don't have a fondness for that sort of like 1995 sense of disaffected. We were all promised it was going to be blind melon running around in a bumblebee suit. And uh, what it is, is it's a very Brady sequel. So like, I think in many ways, Daria has some trouble by virtue of when it was produced and how it had to be, to be popular then. Yeah. Uh, but I think this is an episode that stands out to my mind as kind of like actually visionary. This idea of iterating the holidays, uh, you know, very nightmare before Christmas. Yep. But at the same time, I think one of the things that Daria tried to do is it tried to be a meta statement on a lot of the live action shows that it was either parodying or, you know, analoging. And so one of the things that Daria could do is it could say, let's do all of them in one episode and get through them all at once. In that way, I think Daria really succeeded in uh, maybe not surviving by episode, but at least surviving by concept. Yeah, Daria, you I, I mean, I think you nailed it. I think uh, it, the humor is not universal. It is not uh, it is not so dated where it simply isn't funny anymore. It's dated in that you probably will not get the references or the vibe of the humor if you were not a young person in the late 90s early 2000s but if you are a young person today who is like what were what were millennials and uh younger gen z people or gen x people laughing at in the late 90s and early 2000s this is the best possible example this is the best possible example i think of like what our hopes and dreams and our coping with our hopes and dreams about high school looked like and uh, I love Jonah being positive on it uh, and not just because it's deified in this house. But, uh, you know, Jonah's saying he hasn't watched much. Uh, you know, it's a cool idea. I think that is something that Daria trades on is the, you know, the commodification of its identity is this yeah. visual, cool counterculture idea. Yeah, you know, it's iconic. It, yeah, it wasn't the gross out of Ren and Stimpy or Beavis and Butthead, even though it was yeah. a spinoff of the latter. But it also wasn't, you know, Rugrats or Powerpuff Girls, though, you know, if you don't fucking think that Daria would love to team up with the Powerpuff Girls when she, you know, she would ultimately be like, I mean, I don't love the color coordinating, but you guys kick ass and that's cool. Like she'd be into that, right? Yep. 
Um, all right. So, so uh, next we got. I do love one of your choices on here for being yep. a show that, while never my favorite, a show that I just enjoy and appreciate more and more. Steven Universe? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a weird one. I I remembered this fondly, and although weirdly, it's a, it's a weird episode, uh, but I discovered while researching for this show that it was very controversial when it came out. Uh, because the new character that is introduced, who is Greg's brother, is basically a Trumper. Uh, he is basically very conservative and has very conservative values. Yeah. And uh, this came out right before the 2016 election. And people were just like, fuck this guy. Because ultimately the point just is like... Alan pulling on his hair again. Uh, yeah, exactly. And ultimately, uh, you know... Everybody was just like, this is just another thing where we're all told that we have to be nice to our racist Trump loving grandpa rather yep. than telling him to fuck off. Yep. And I do think I get the that that was a big feeling in November of 2016, where it just felt like uh, a lot of us were being told that. Right, and we were reasonably frustrated with Trump people and with MAGA people, and we're being told that we were being impolite. Uh, I think this episode has aged well in that I think a lot of us now understand that our rage is justified, but sometimes it's just not worth screaming at somebody at a dinner table, and it's more worth walking away you know, cutting them out of their life if they're toxic to you or if they're just an idiot who says dumb stuff, embracing them with love and then trying to figure out how to be like, hey, you're being very stupid. And I think for me, it's also one of those many cases where I feel like the wider, more generalized audience of Steven Universe frequently forgot who the sort of base level that they were, even yes. if not always aiming the show at. Who was watching it. Building a Ooh, uh, your mic kind of cut your out mic's a little fading bit. a little bit. Not quite. Oh no, we've uh, so I'm going <laughs> uh, I'm gonna temporarily talk, right? Yeah. Um, you know, but I do think that that actually is the nature of that. You know, when you're dealing with a show like Steven Universe, where the principle is acceptance, friendship, love you know, companionship, despite no matter what your actual carbon makeup that makes you different is the idea that we should do an episode about acceptance and tolerance. Sure. But at the same time, and I don't mean this like too funny, but like, I don't think that any conservative cartoons were out here doing uh let's all remember to love our liberal friends. It's true. Kevin, we got you back. Oh, oh, he's doing a quick, he's doing a quick reset. He's doing um, a reset. But I, you're, you're right. But I still love the episode. Oh, for sure. Uh, and it's, you know, it's later in the show. So you get, you know, you get Paradise, you get Lapis Lazuli, you get all of the, the cool gems that I love. Paradot, um, the best gem. I do know how much you love Paradot. Paradot is absolutely the best gem you clawed. She is, uh, she is the best gem in the world, and everybody should bow down. And you would be talking about Paradox. Yes, yeah. we that can is... hear you now, Kevo. So that's good. Yes. Yeah, I can hear you guys better now. Actually, so right. it works well for me. 
Um, um, but yeah, no, Steven Universe is for kids is where I left off. So Yeah. And uh, now we can, I think, go to my last show. The one that's not for kids. The one that is not for kids, but is for kids of a certain age. I don't know. I feel like you should watch the show if you're 10 years old or it's more. It's not 10. Maybe not 6. Maybe not 6. Uh, yeah, this is... Uh, so this is the tough one. This Basically, you absolutely should not watch this unless you have seen <laughs> a lot of Venture Brothers. This is actually... This basically spoils the biggest mystery in the show. This tells you... This spoils like five mysteries in the show. Um, this is one of the most revealing episodes of the show. Uh, this is where so many plot points come to a head. So many things are explained. And then just randomly, it's a, such a chaotic episode. Really important characters make cameo appearances. Decades old lore is solved. But then this is all in the backdrop of randomly uh, a police officer tells them that it is the day before the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and they all need to move their like superhero vehicles <laughs> out of the way because they're getting ready for the parade. Um, and you know, alternate whatever... side of the street parking is real. Exactly. Is. Uh, whatever happens, happens. And the the episode ends. My favorite thing, one of my favorite things about the Venture Brothers is they always have a long uh, tag at the very end of the post credit scene at the end of the show. In this one, uh, it is Thanksgiving Day and they are watching the Thanksgiving Day Parade uh, revealing, among other things, the new Rusty Venture float uh, from the... So, you know, on the show, Rusty Venture is a real-life person who was also a boy adventurer that had a Hanna-Barbera-esque TV show made about him. And so the float is the reveal of the Rusty Venture boy adventure character from the show as a float and of course immediately the people carrying it lose control of it and it like destroys a city block and that is what that picture of rusty giving the peace sign is it's barney just nice no exactly um this is a nice little thanksgiving moment uh very difficult to justify actually putting this on your marathon list dear viewer unless you have watched the uh six seasons and then two episodes previous to this but i really recommend you do because venture brothers if you are a sci-fi uh fantasy comic book tv or movie fan of at all venture brothers is one of the greatest shows ever made it is packed full of hilarious references it has incredible lore it has such a phenomenal backstory that unfolds over time in such great hilarious ways it is very funny it is very stupid you absolutely should watch it uh but to get to this point it's going to take you a hot minute good to know and let's take a look at your next hot minute what follows venture brothers Got a couple movies on here. Uh, Adam's Family Values, of course. Sautéed or barbecued. This, oh man. I'm sorry, Kebo, was that too loud? In my ear, my darling. (laughs) Um, Malibu, Barbie. 
This is a great movie. Yeah, I didn't movie. get any other screen caps from the movie, even though obviously there's so much iconic about yes. it. There's so much Indeed. great stuff about it. Uh, Joan Cusack is phenomenal. Of course, Joan Cusack has nothing to do with the Thanksgiving plot. It is just uh, their um, summer camp play that is about Thanksgiving. But that's for enough. No that's reason. all we... For absolutely no reason, because it's Featuring summer. Harmony from Buffy. Featuring Harmony from Buffy, Mercedes yes. McNabb. Um, it's... Also, forever in my head is that guy going... Macho, macho man, feel my <laughs> muscles forever in my head on a loose. I do you mean Tony Shaloub? Is it really Tony Shaloub? It is Tony Shaloub. I will bet you five dollars. I don't. I don't think you're wrong. I uh, I just didn't realize. Monk, you're that monk. guy. Oh, you don't have to leave, do you? Uh, Tony Shaloub. Oh my God! You know the Emmy-winning Fred Armisen. Yes, actually, kind of. Fred Armisen is the Golden Globe to Tony Shalhoub's Emmy. You know what I mean? I think he's kind of the Razzie. Um, <laughs> go screw Fred Armisen. Uh, yeah, this is just... Oh, this is also, like, even given the fact that they have this amazing Thanksgiving play that is so good. Wait a minute. Uh, at, I'm so sorry. I just... I just Is that Pan Am's Christina Ricci? You're an idiot. Uh... Adam's Family Values is a family movie. It is about the Adam's family, and Thanksgiving is about family, and that's why this is such a good family film. So anyway, uh, this one absolutely should be part of your marathon. Requires no previous watching. And then last but not least, the one I am most passionate about, the one I have oh, definitely yeah. seen the most times. I thought this was Benny in June, and I got so <laughs> excited, and I was going to do 500 miles, and then it wasn't, and I was Jeez. so fucking mad. Uh, you could have done Little Miss Campy wrong. <gasps> TK, the fact that we have not said grace together more often by announcing that we are going to munch down on some grindage yes. is a major failing of our friendship. And I we're going to fix that. that we're going to fix that very that soon. Now. A Thanksgiving um, movie. Oh, it was video. Okay. I was like, this came out of February. Oh. <laughs> uh, this is just a really stupid. Remember how we were talking earlier, dear viewer, about how if you want to know what it was like to be like a teen in the late 90s, early 2000s, you want to watch Daria. If you want to know what it was like to uh, go to college in the early 90s, you want to watch Son-in-Law. Um, except you don't, but also you do. Um, you do. I actually, can I just, you can pretty much put in your This Era Polly Shore movie of your choice. For me, it's um, Biodome. God damn it. I was really hoping you wouldn't say Biodome. I also equally love In the Army Now. Fair. Yeah, oh, that's, that's a good, a good one. one. I uh, specifically think the best joke in the entire world is from Biodome. And it's, you know, like superheroes, like Iron Man. Iron Man, Iron Man does whatever an iron can. <laughs> I think that's the best joke of all time. I also really like Jury Duty. Oh, it's the juice. Non Rasai Clubbles. Uh, but of course, the best one, and the one that if you if you want to know what it was like to go to high school in the early 90s, that's Encino Man, uh, featuring uh, the likes of Polly Shore, Brendan Fraser, and of course, cannot forget Ouroboros himself, Kehi Kwan, uh, 
if you want to see an early role where he is an adorable nerdy teenager uh you really want to go watch encino man but in the meantime if you want to see carla gugino in all her pre-flanaganery glory it is very important that you watch this movie uh that's her okay this is why we are friends because what was i queuing up check out our further love of carla gugino in the flaniverse in our previous broadcast because yeah you know when she first popped up in haunting of hill house i was like "Ooh, are you kidding and now he has fallen as in love with her as we are thank god yep uh she is so i have a much older sister uh i have a sister who's 13 years older than i am and she was about the same age she is about the same age as carla gugino and i am about the same age as the kid from the sandlot who is carla gugino's little brother in this movie and this was just very much i mean like we did not grow up on a farm at all but this is very much what it was like when my big sister went to college and i was still at home uh and just kind of seeing her go from like a little coastal townie in our tiny little main town to like a cool college kid uh and this movie just resonated with me for that reason in particular also i'm almost certain this guy plays um the guy who runs the daily bugle in one of the super yeah uh smith lois and clark yeah yep yep yeah, there you go. So this is just a stupid movie. Uh, it's very, very funny, but also not. Uh, and it's like this is this is a great movie because they actually it is about Thanksgiving. They go home for Thanksgiving break. Uh, Cyborg T, if you're wondering about uh, why Thanksgiving is a big deal in America, when you are in school in America, whether high school or college, that's one of those things you get. You leave on Wednesday. You do not have to go to school on Thursday or Friday. That and so it's the when you're, first major return home for most yep. college freshmen is Thanksgiving. Yep. Yep. Unless you are really local and you go home for Columbus Day. The big one is going home for Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, that's what this movie is about. She's got to go home and she brings Polly Shore with her. And uh, he is a SoCal weirdo and doesn't fit in in her uh family farm and fish out of water stories are always fun so this is the quintessential thanksgiving piece from my marathon and if i could recommend one to you it would be this one plus tiffany thiessen and dan gautier so like yeah there's there's some real classics yep yeah good stuff yeah so yeah that's my list uh this is what thanksgiving means to me and uh thanks for letting me share it i love, I love it. it i think that's eight great hours you know it's pretty diverse it gives you a sense of uh a lot of things uh Columbus so i do have to say this is uh this is seven hours 57 minutes and if okay. you really want to fill in that last three, I'm not going to cue this up because I don't ever think we would get copyright stricken, but I don't want to screw please us over. But I, in blood. Please say I was in blood. so tempted to just cue this up to play as my finish. It is not based in blood. It is something that I share with you every Thanksgiving and every Thanksgiving you forget about it. The greatest Thanksgiving song of all time, Thanksgiving by Nicole Westbrook. Look it up on YouTube. It's by the same people that did Friday by Rebecca Black. It is such a good song. 
Uh, I've been waiting for Nico to cover it, but it hasn't happened yet. But I know he's going what to eventually. Um, it is. Yeah. So if you want to run the eight hours of my marathon, make sure you include Thanksgiving by Nicole Westbrook. Truly a classic uh, of the era. Now, uh, Cyborg Columbus Day is just another one of those, like, I feel like I've seen the UK has a couple of them, too, where it's like, you know. Um, like Boxing Day. No, not Boxing Day. Day. Like Columbus it's just Day. a bank holiday. It's, it's, it's like it's, Guy Fawkes Day, but Columbus is absolute garbage and has no redeeming qualities and, like, isn't uh, yes. not somebody we should celebrate in any way, but we just do. So we've replaced it with Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah. Um. So, uh. I do love that uh, Jonah is pointing out that we do love Rebecca Black Steven Universe songs. Um, sure. So, okay, Kevo, who's next? Me or you? It's up to you. I All can right. go if you want. If you want to, if you want to be the big finish, you can go first if you're eager. No, I think I don't. I don't. I don't know how my thing is going to go. So you should go. That is fair. Uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and watch. I'm laughing at how bad my thing is going to go. Uh, Cyborg says, is it like our bank holiday? Yeah, that's sort yeah. of like we have. There are some holidays that we are very much aware are just so that people can, for the most have part, a have off. a Monday off. Yeah, yeah that's all it is. Um, can either we take a quick break or can you guys vamp for 30 seconds? Oh, I'll vamp. Let's, okay, I was going to say quick break because I'm going to go grab some more to drink. Do you want to vamp by yourself, Bear? You can. Mm, it go. doesn't make a difference. No, go to break. He'll be okay. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean we'll to break be, your stride. We'll be very quick. I'm just parched. Yes, I promise. Thank you. Uh... <laughs> Look at that face. Cut I'm the thankful that... Do you want us to sweet. leave you on screen? We can. It's not yeah, a big yeah. deal. It doesn't make a difference. You want a monologue? No, it's okay. Yeah. But... Look at the <laughs> you can still hear us too. That's so funny. <laughs> Look at him. Uh, uh, no, yeah, break me. Okay, we won't be but a minute. Thanks, folks. Yeah, real quick.
All right. So we're back talking Thanksgiving marathons. We've already done eight amazing hours by TK that feature the likes of TV legends like Buffy, the West Wing, Venture Brothers, Steven Universe, plus films, Son-in-Law, and Adam's Family Values. Uh, uh, wait, hold the uh, Grey's Anatomy. Uh, You're good. Just let's get crazy ex girlfriend Daria and I forgot one. Was it Steven Universe? No. Well, I did great. So, yeah, um, we are here to talk about Kevo's list. Kevo, uh, you know your Thanksgiving marathon. Uh, I think it's really cool because one of the things that I love is how cultivated you make your holiday lists. Like I was saying earlier, you do this amazing job really finding everything. Yeah. Uh, hold on. I'm trying to catch up on and son in one. catching up on the comments to make sure that everybody in the comments can see from there, all the things we've covered so far. Uh, yeah. I just love, I love marathons. I love holiday viewing. I've got a Valentine's list. I have, you know, I probably have an Easter list if I cared more. I'm probably going to come up with a summer list at some point because Phineas and Ferb has some great ones. Um, but I just think it's a really fun and uh, casual way to help celebrate the season. And so many shows uh, have holiday episodes. And uh, Thanksgiving is one in particular that you'd be surprised how many shows end up having them. Uh, and so... My list starts uh, in in sort of the mostly in the most part for the more classic era. Uh, I start over here in the 1990s and I start with the Nickelodeon Thanksgiving Fest. Does anybody remember this weird program? I really, you know, definitely feel like I remember the upper right corner. But you know what? Yeah. I feel like part of what happens is I've spent so long watching Blame It on Jorge and, uh, you know, like the best of like, you know, all of these kind of like uh, Nexpo sort of like lost media archive sites that now I don't remember if I saw cracks as a kid or like if right. I mean cracks. So like, exactly. you know, do I remember these from childhood? Maybe, but I know that they have definitely culturally pierced that vernacular. And some of this is just very clearly the interstitial animation style generally from Nickelodeon. Like this is just definitely something we saw as like dinosaurs and other yes. crap that was just, you know, regular knit in it. Check out this cartoon. Um, I remember this being so so much longer when we were kids and it like, had to be an hour right now it's like 22 minutes so it's one of those things where when you grow up you're like no you just have no concept of time when you're a kid it is uh candy man also says that he is not familiar this was just a loose collection of a few animated vignettes uh the one in the upper corner that you're saying you kind of remember was this whole thing that was set during the great depression and these poor kids dreamed of having a delightful Thanksgiving and partied with their Thanksgiving food. And when they woke up, they had a feast. Isn't it delightful? This is, there were so many things that were just patched together from cheaply purchased animation that we just thought was gold. And so this is just one of those things that really heavily imprinted on me. And it's something that you can see if you just look it up on YouTube. 
someone has it up like multiple people multiple people have it up i'm sure uh so that's just a cute one that i wanted to start off my list with um just to especially with those nickelodeon things maybe look at a couple of them to make sure that you found the one that is the one you knew because a lot of these things got cut kind of funny when they would get re-aired right so you might remember scenes that aren't there doesn't mean you're crazy you might have found a later re-airing where it had to be cut down to 21 minutes and 26 seconds instead of that original runtime of like 23 minutes and three seconds so that minute and 40 seconds might have hit you and that's what's missing yeah. Um, sticking to the 90s, I went with a uh, the second part of something that is a classic Boy Meets World episode from our youth. Uh, the A plot is about uh, Sean Hunter getting a girlfriend, Angela, who is one of the iconic Boy Meets World characters from uh, our childhood. Uh, but the B plot is about uh, the beautiful Matthew Lawrence and the also incredibly handsome Will Friedle. Uh, needing to make Thanksgiving for their families. And gosh, aren't we incompetent because we're boys. And so it's just cute, light, fun. Uh, and it's just really funny when they put actual pivotal story elements around something that's a holiday episode. So I think that's kind of funny. And I think it's really funny that this is two actors that we love for things that aren't like traditional acting anymore. We love Matthew Lawrence from being number one, uh, a great scientist, but number two, uh, when he's not studying lizards, he uh, was on Worst Cooks in America, where he was like actually a really nice guy. Love that. And uh, anybody who doesn't think that Will Friedle is like the voice actor for the incredible Batman Beyond, I can't help you. But uh, he was amazing as Batman Beyond. And it's just really interesting how so many of these particular actors would go on to be on interesting things. Uh, also, how awkward is it that this is called Chasing Angela, meant to clearly be a Chasing Amy reference? On so many levels, how awkward that that is what they did. It shows such a clear misunderstanding of Chasing Amy, of lesbians. what they're doing. Such, I mean, you know, but not like Chasing Amy has a great clear concept of lesbians. <laughs> and we're from Jersey, we'd know. We can say that, because he's our problem. Okay, speaking of things that are our problem, uh, I just really want to say that the entire queer community, it is your problem that the High School Musical, the musical, the series is off the air because this served everything that the entire queer community is always saying they would love to see represented. And, uh, you know, other than the fact that Olivia Rodrigo basically villainized men getting mental health support, uh, not a lot of stuff came of talking about High School Musical, the musical, the series. So, Kevo, I just really love seeing you uh, prop up what is a great show. Uh, with some great songs and an unbelievably queer cast. So much of this recurring X's for Show concept is just an excuse for us to amplify shows that we're sad don't exist anymore. And this definitely falls in that category. Uh, this isn't a barely Thanksgiving episode, though. So at least there's that. It's very much Thanksgiving. Uh, it is what a bunch of kids get up to when it is Thanksgiving break and they still want to hang out with each other. And it's very cute. Uh, you know, there's plot elements in it. So it's not exactly the perfect jump in episode. But in a lot of ways, it is. It shows how cute and fun the dynamic of the cast can be. Because uh, I don't watch this show for the drama. I watch it for 
stuff like them playing a high school musical board game that the character of Carlos built himself. Uh, it's cute fun. I, I, I watch for moments like this between Olivia Rodrigo's character and uh, Gina, who is the real star of this show. Uh, can't can't tell us otherwise. So they also were one of the few shows that I can think of that when their you know their big star was like I'm out bye they were like okay bye like not in even a mean way but go. like you're leaving you can go and we're gonna keep doing our show like we still have jobs sorry and they gave her a beautiful send off so it's not like there was bad blood at all but they were like no we're not gonna compromise what was clearly meant to be Nini's arc they just give it to Gina. So, because it's pretty obviously meant to be <laughs> but it's fine. Um, all right. Now, TK, I know that you have taken like uh, not the biggest strides towards something like High School Musical, the musical, the series. But, you know, one of the things that I think is interesting is I didn't know how much Glee you'd watched leading up to it. So what got you to watch mm. Glee and not High School Musical, the musical, the series? Is it that you're just a gay of a certain generation? Yeah, uh, it is that uh, I was 23, 24, somewhere in there, mid-20s in grad school. Uh, needed something to distract myself and Glee came on. I liked Jane Lynch. Uh, I hadn't, hadn't quite occurred to me how much I didn't like Ryan Murphy's writing. Uh, and by a certain point I was just kind of sucked in. Uh, right. Yeah. And then more and more it was one of those things that I was like, I'm watching this, but I'm not happy about it. Well, I actually, in looking at my fuller Thanksgiving list, yeah. had you in mind specifically with this selection because I didn't this... want your Sorkin to get lonely. Yes. This was uh, not not on my list. It's definitely a classic. Um, yeah. And gosh, this cast. Uh, some of them turned out to be bigger people than others. Sabrina well, Lloyd, I'm sure, thought Ed was going to just skyrocket her to popularity. And instead it and did the same thing for Julie Benz. Bowen. Um, Julie, oh my God, Julie Bowen. I'm so embarrassed. Uh, she's but my wanna, wife. She's my wife, yeah. I want to point out, this is a number of like famous people. This is Desperate Housewives, uh, Felicity Huffman. This is Parenthood and Six Feet Under's Peter Krause. This is Frogger's Frogger. Uh, and then, uh, what's his name was on the good, the wife. good wife. Yeah. And I mean, you joke, but Josh Charles Josh got dragged Marina. into more. No. Uh, yes. Thank you. Got dragged into more Sorkin stuff. So he ended up continuing to work. I mean, and also he's Not got best. a pretty rocking body that he showed off a couple times on that uh, is true. West wing. So like, you know, I'm, I'm joking that he looks like Frogger, but it does that. He, it is that he is a, like a, he has such a giant mouth. You expect that during a commercial, he might appear to say wise um, <clears throat> with two other friends that look just like him. It's so it's sad true. that uh, the capstone of Felicity Huffman's stellar career was that uh, college admissions scandal. I choose to think of her as the person who decided not to leave Desperate Housewives when she could have had a career somewhere else. Ooh. Yeah. Or the person who shouldn't have done Transamerica. Yeah. 
there's a lot of people who shouldn't have done Transamerica. So including a... our beloved Dolly. No, really? traveling through is a pretty perfect song. Yeah, Never it just shouldn't it. have been for Transamerica. Sweet Jesus, if you're out there, keep me ever close to you. That's not so. a Thanksgiving movie, right? No, no, no. no. It's a okay. transappropriation movie. Just checking. Well, then moving on. Uh, I, it's all shows. My stuff is all TV uh, Love this it. time around. I'm sure I could have found movies, but I decided to go with the theme. Um, this is a absolute staple in our household. Happy Endings yeah. is something that we have literally watched forward and backwards. I had us watch the show backwards one time. Not like, <laughs> you know, speaking backwards, but like the last episode to the first, just because so we could say we did. And uh, it holds up watching it that way. Or uh, holds this, down. Depending on your math. Uh, this one is a classic. Lots of great Thanksgiving jokes. Lots of really weird canon jokes. This was the episode where they decided to announce that the origin of this group uh, was having met on the real world Sacramento. The unaired season that they couldn't air because of pending legal action against one of the housemates. And as you can see, this is season three, episode four. So this is the first time that this ever came up. And they even and joke just... about how we never talk about the fact that our group of friends is all about that season of the real world that never aired. That's just how this show frequently rolled. Uh, yeah. They revealed a brand new sibling for one of the characters in the last episode. Because who cares? It's a cartoon. But play Enjoy. By I'm also, I'm certain, I'm certain that they're have been other references to their past that would mean there's no way that's how they met. Uh, oh, yeah. And that is that is one of the great things about uh, Happy Endings canon is early on it just seems like they're being goofy and there are some funny jokes, but somehow the writing and the actors really find a way to embrace it to where it is there is no objective reality for the show and not in a way where... If you see what's happening and you go, but that doesn't make sense, That's that can't be canon, that can't work, then the whole thing is going to fail for you. All of the jokes are based on the fact that just like none of this could be happening or is real. And part of it is that they decided early on that instead of having, um, uh, what is it, it's supposed to be a joke every 15 seconds, they decided yeah. they would have a joke every eight so yeah. they had to write double the number of jokes, which meant they had to lean into the surreality of it. Yeah. You know, there's a really specific joke where they, in this episode, say that it's, I think they say that it's 2001. And so everyone was still reeling from the events of the movie Vanilla oh, Sky. <laughs> and so somebody I mean, else says, I am so tired of everybody blaming everything on the movie Vanilla Sky. <laughs> and like... If you understand that that is such an incredible attack on 9-11 culture as somebody, you know, I'm not saying an attack on 9-11. I'm saying 9-11 culture where like every, you know, pundit on every news show was saying, ah, but it's because of 9-11. And, you know, so it was just such a brilliant uh, assailing of the ideas that were maybe over dominating our media. And that has continued right up to COVID where we decided to replace it with supply chain logistics. And we'll be doing that for the next 10 years. When we get to around year nine, be on the lookout for the next bad thing that will replace supply chain logistics that replace 9-11. But speaking of crashing and burning, uh, something that I couldn't help putting on this list 
is something I don't know how you will find. And that's not my fault or my problem. Marry Me as the one season non-continuation of Happy Endings, where it is from the same creator and his wife, and essentially a lot of the same characters played by different people, was actually really, really, really funny. Uh, the same way that I defend uh, Golden Palace as being more Golden Girls, this is more Happy Endings. Marry Me was a really cute, fun show, and they managed to get in just like a couple of holiday episodes in their short runtime, and one of those was Thanksgiving, and it was a good one. If you want to know what like kind of sexy TK is in person, it's Ken Marino in this show, like 10,000%. Yeah, okay. Uh, this is the sexiest, coolest, most uh, unbelievably handsome Ken Marino ever is in his career. There is something about the writing on this show that is rich with warmth. Um, it can be too mean, and uh, the characters frequently verge on dangerously stupid. But when this show does warm, there is a, a certain sitting by the fire kind of cozy that this show conjures up when it, the show is meant to be like, you know, together every crazy step of the way, marry me, like the pitch line of it, that every day is the magic of your engagement or your wedding. Uh, they, they don't get it right all episode, but every episode has some moment of that for real. Sometimes when you're cozying up next to the fire, you catch on fire. And then the apartment building is on fire. And that's the plot of an episode of Marry Me. And then, ooh, 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 you've got a bruge attitude. Teague, did you manage to catch this one before it disappeared from our lives? I did I did see a little bit of it. I don't remember the Thanksgiving episode. I maybe did not get that far, or maybe I just don't remember it. This is a this was a Wild West time for television. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I did love it. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Now, uh, so which one are you going to? I assumed community. No, yeah, I I do want to say I am the vocalist, negative voice on community, uh, of the group. But um, the more I look back on community, the more grateful I am for it. So I really love that you put it on a list for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I actually really like this one. Uh, it is from what some feel is the most dreaded season. Uh, I love and, it. And it, it it even is in a lot of ways. I won't even give that it's not. But like, it's still such a stellar show overall that I didn't really have too much of a problem with most of season four. And I feel like this episode in particular uh, was a lot of really interesting things. Uh, Adam Devine. Uh, as Jeff's incredibly needy, awkward half-brother, uh, was very funny and is a character I would really love if they could revisit for the community movie. Um, but, you know, this is such a show about these people being a family and being there for each other. And they've done other holidays before, so getting to see one that, you know, really is just about the togetherness above all else. You know, Christmas is about so many other things. So many other holidays are about other things. But so much, of, like we keep saying, of Thanksgiving is about sharing a meal with family. What do you want? You said Christmas, and there's a picture of Shirley up on the screen. So my brain went, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. 
thank you for letting me take the high part. Well, of course. Uh, You're so cute. I got a friend in Jesus, man. Uh, I really, I don't know. I think that the thing about having a guy like Adam Devine play Jeff's younger brother is they both represent that sort of comedy, but they are two very different guys doing that sort of comedy for all the ways that they're just basically shades of the same hyper entitled white guy. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's actually, I think the point of the character expression. And this episode actually is pretty significant to Canon for like kind of filling in a lot of the Jeff backstory. Which some enjoy, which some don't. Uh, I feel like, we get so many weird introductions to so many characters back and side stories that it's sort of a drop in the bucket for me in terms of like, I enjoy it, but you know, I don't like uh, some of his lawyer backstory stuff, but it comes up sometimes. It doesn't come up sometimes. A lot of the core is about uh, the characters at this school. So I, I love that that's part of where they default back to. Um, I hate this season I it's unfortunate because I think there's a lot of really good ideas for episodes, uh, really good writing of setup, but then the jokes aren't funny at all. Uh, the the in episode writing just isn't isn't there the way that it was when Dan Harmon was there, which is why he inevitably comes back. Uh, but this, unfortunately for me, is one of those episodes. I think this is a great idea. I think uh, with the amount of buildup and hinting that they do that Jeff does need to meet his dad, he needs to see his dad again. Uh, in the previous season, he has a nervous breakdown because Pierce threatens him with the idea of actually meeting his dad. So there's no way it can't happen. And in that way, I think timing wise, this was the right time to do it and everything. What? I'm so sorry. You just uh, fulfilled Pierce bingo for me. Yet another reason I hate Pierce. Yeah. Yeah. Pierce is terrible. Uh, but, you know, he he did do the thing in a very funny episode. Uh, and so Jeff needs to meet his dad. He needs to he needs to confront his dad. And I think you're right. Adam Devine, really good casting as a guy one generation younger than Jeff or like half a generation younger who the dad uh, part sucked, though. You're not wrong. Everything yeah, about it, the conversation with the dad was not it fulfilling. Just, I like it wasn't Adam funny. And I like the stuff at Shirley's family. I feel like yeah. that stuff worked for me, but the main bones is supposed to be Jeff meeting his dad. Wait, is and that I don't disagree. Shirley's it garage? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. The, meet, that the turkey of this episode should be Jeff meeting his dad. And the turkey is the worst part of this meal. It's like great. Oh the God, stuffing the was awesome. Turkey. The macaroni and cheese was awesome. The turkey was awful. And it's, you know, that it's uh, James Brolin is uh, f- should be what? Are you, you serious? That's James Brolin. James yeah. Isn't it James? Yeah. Am I wrong? Is it not James? I, Brolin? No, you're probably right. You're probably right. I'm sure it's someone no matter what. But that's the thing. I was I even going to say. Um, I don't know who plays the father. I'm sure it's supposed to be a celebrity, but, um, gives such little impression. Yeah. And it's, I like, I don't, I like the idea of casting Adam Devine, but I don't think Adam Devine is funny in this episode. 
James Brolin. Um, Holy crap. I've never known that in 10 years. James Brolin. Yeah. Okay. Holy crap. How they got Roddy McDowell. Like they knew how to pull old white man. Like no uh, Chevy's on this. Oh, Chevy's on that. Well, then I'll also do it. Yes. Um, but you know, the, the like Josh or James Brolin as, um, the reflection of like your Jeff's dad can't be Pierce's dad. Pierce's dad is really funny and that's a great joke and it lasts so long. And again, last season we got a really good Pierce's family, Pierce's dad, Pierce's brother, Pierce's family episode that shows you what it has to be to work in community. And this writing bunch just didn't have it for that. So you get a setup that should be okay if pierce's family is so absurd you know that his even his like heartfelt reunion with his brother is an absurdist play on an insane trope and stereotype that an old racist man that somebody as old as pierce would have as his father that all is so funny and so absurd so jess needs to be much more down to earth and you can't get more down to earth like believable dude that's going to be just dad than james brolin and i think similarly uh for adam divine as his little brother and then they just don't um play they just don't play you know what honestly would have made this episode 10 times better leaving adam divine jeff's dad never shows up yeah that would have really eliminated them not having the teeth to know what to do with jeff's dad because uh, really, it just it, it's such a misfire. Yeah. Again, the fact that I have not known that that was James Brolin for almost 10 years now says so much to me about uh, it, it not really landing in regards yeah. to that. And I think there are ways they could have worked around that if they felt it wasn't hitting. Uh, it's really funny, though, that this is such a continuation from the Halloween episode, which I believe I even did have on my last list. But I feel like in so many ways that episode is so much more defensible than this one. Yeah. I want to just comment really quick. Number one, uh, I guess I'd never realized that both stepbrothers are actors that I'm like a big fan of. Both Pierce's stepbrother and yeah. or Pierce's half-brother. My apologies. Yeah, both half-brothers. Yeah, half-brothers, right. Adam Devine and uh, Giancarlo. That's uh, two actors I love a That's lot. That's funny. Number two, through the course of this discussion, I think I realized for the first time that community is the uh, the predecessor to uh, Superstore. I always kind of compared Superstore to The Office, but I think Superstore is a little bit more community. It's about a person who had a world that was so much bigger than this, being humbled to come to this little place where there are people who are so much bigger than it already. And then everybody comes to realize it's not that they're bigger than it. It's that their thoughts about this place were too small and they have to change the world around them to get out of it. And I really think... Uh, Superstore is a story about people with big dreams overcoming. And uh, I think that is the heart of community, uh, whether they intended it to be or not. Um, but number three, you know, when we're talking about actors not fulfilling their potential, I have no problems with ultimately the uh, the body of what your final choice on this sheet came out to be. That first few episodes of The Real O'Neills, though, the only thing that really worked was Martha Plimpton is one of the finest comedic actresses of her era. 
And uh, the dad is so absurdly hot, not in this image, but in general. Uh, but man, uh, early the real O'Neills did not have the magic it would find by this point. Oh, and this is the episode where Pat wears his skinny jeans to impress that girl. So where yeah, they really should have pixelated the front of those jeans, like every scene. Um, you know, honestly, not the best episode of the show, but. It's a show that I hugely advocate for. The Real O'Neills. The Real O'Neills was really cute, really fun. Uh, and as the gay child of divorced parents, uh, this was the dream. I would have loved parents who got a well as long. Uh, uh, it's that impossible that I can't even get the English <laughs> words out. My parents would never have gotten along this well. Um, and so that's really, really one of the things that the most drew me to this show and made me root for it the most, above, even above the gay stuff, uh, seeing it as such a wonderful example of divo divorced co-parents uh, was really cool. And, you know, Thanksgiving is always tough when you're in a situation like that. So uh, it was fun to see. I also just think that Noah Galvin had the absolute hardest job in the world carrying the entirety of young queerness on his back for a hot minute. Yeah, but that is the thing that matters the most. The hottest thing about this episode is the cameo from uh, Antonio Lafaso and Alex Pornicelli. Uh, that is two of the most kick you in the fucking face, uh, badass, like super chef women in the world. Um, you know, but yeah, real you know, nails was chock-a-block with cameos and uh, guest stars. So it like was basically they, they... blossom for gays. They had a lot going for it. So the fact that it didn't get picked up beyond a second season, I I can't blame the, the network. It was too precious for this unprecious world. Um, True. But I do think at the end of the day, we haven't had enough the queer experience. And this is something that's really funny. It's a discussion I have with hot older boyfriend sometimes where I'm like, no, I feel like young gay problems are this or that. And he's like, I don't know why you have to add the word gay to everything. I think that really is just like a generational thing. For some people, it's about embracing the idea of what it's like to have the queer experience inside of a more traditional experience. And then for other queer people, it's like, why do you have to be queer in this moment? I think the real O'Neills represent something that isn't being responded to, and that's the need for those queer internal experiences. There's plenty of experiences like Modern Family Presents where it's just people and they happen to be queer but we get a farm christmas we never get everybody standing around i'm sorry a farm thanksgiving we never get anybody standing around in andrew christian underwear at thanksgiving right there's like no gay exploration yeah. of thanksgiving because there is no gay thanksgiving but having a kid who's only recently out of the closet thinking about how to try to navigate his family when he feels his coming out has played a role in the dynamic that his family has taken on, that is definitely a story that I know more teenagers need to see uh, as a way to feel normalized by the experience of coming out and having divorced parents. And so I think that is a really necessary thing that they did with this show. Wow, Dan Savage did something good. Hey, faggot. Every Every now and then. Um, everybody should pick up a copy of Savage Love if it's ever available in print ever again. That is the best uh, best worst book you can waste your money on. But speaking of modern family I Thanksgiving didn't say by day. skipping towards Gamora. 
sorry. Uh, speaking of, you were saying. <sighs> Next slide, please. I mean, I... it's us. So obviously, Modern Family was going to end up on here. This is even, I think, an exemplary episode of what Thanksgiving can offer on Modern Family. I love this choice. Uh, thank you. Sorry, I'm also in charge of comments. Well, then I'll buy time. One of the things that Three Turkeys represents for me is a better version of the multiple turkeys story. There is very little I loathe more than a I'm the monster-in-law, and I'm throwing the turkey down on the table to shame my future daughter-in-law. That's not cute. Nobody wants that. And maybe uh, I'm lucky that I had a mother-in-law that was like, oh, you want to do stuff at, at, at the holidays? Thank God. I don't want to do all that cooking. And Kevo's mother-in-law just wants to do all the cooking. Get out of her way. <laughs> but there's never a fight exactly. in any direction. So we lucked out in that regard. It's so uh, easy. And this is just classic modern family hijinks at its peak. Uh, they are always doing everything that they can to end up with the most French farce finale they possibly can. And this one involves a turkey in a backpack. Uh, someone thinking their turkey shrunk and two grown men in dresses. Columbi the coming of age Colombian turkey, don't forget. Is tradition. And so, yes, uh, of the four, I believe, Modern Family Thanksgiving picks, uh, this is the one that I decided to go with. You know, I love that you picked one after Joe exists. You know, that yeah. uh, Sofia Vergara's character goes on to have a kind of late in life child it humanizes her character in an important way in season nine. She's like, I'm the old mom. You might think of me as the young, sexy wife, but baby, I haven't been sexy and young in eight years. I am older and sexy now. And uh, now I'm the old mom too. And I think it's important to consider how Joe, while, while frankly, he often plays the character of goblin child. It's just like, Joe runs into a scene and steals thing. Ha ha ha. Like, oh my God. Um, like a did, Twin Peaks demon. Yes, like a Twin Peaks demon. He is the evolution of the arm. Um, you know, well, he it does look like that. He really does. It's important to think about how without him, the show doesn't quite have that full balance. And it's even important that Luke, uh, Luke is sort of like the maturation point. Manny's always an old man, so it's hard to use Manny, who ultimately also uh, the actor who plays Manny kind of looks the same from young boy to adulthood. But um, Luke as a child sort of looks like if Vanessa Breyer were a more intense lesbian and um, when he is an adult male, he looks like an adult male. So um, seeing Luke look a little bit more adult is also a turning point for the show because it says the kids have hit that maturation point where they're going to have uh, A-plot stories as well. They're not just going to be like, oh, and what are the kids doing in the background? So I really love the episode you picked. Thank you. And uh, from one classic family to another... Uh, I went uh... with the last fullest full house reunion that ever and ever will happen because this was the second and only returning appearance of Nikki and Alex, the twins. Uh, and this has the majority of the family appearing as well. Danny, Jesse, Becky, Joey, 
Joey's family, who are awful. Oh my um, god. Uh this is before DJ's had a chance to ruin Matt's wedding. No, Steve's wedding. Oh, Steve's wedding, thank you. Yeah, to this She's poor unfortunate break... woman. Yeah, who But um but did I tear up when I saw them doing the She Wolf Pack thing with for Turkey Day? Oh, yes, sure. I absolutely did. Uh, this show, we talk about it a lot, uh, is something that meant a lot to the both of us uh, at some very significant times in our life. Uh, it was really, really dumb and really, really well-intentioned. Uh, they got in two Thanksgiving episodes. The second one makes absolutely no sense whatsoever to be a Thanksgiving episode. But they said... We have five episodes left, and we want to do both Thanksgiving, and we want to redo the episode where Stephanie crashes the car into the kitchen, but she's an adult now. So we're going to do it, and you're going to watch it, and you're going to say thank you, and you're going to love it. So all of those things happened, but... What are you going to do? Was... Tell Jeff Franklin he can't touch feet anymore? But of those two, I went with the one that was actually more Thanksgiving. And so Fuller Thanksgiving, uh, a delight, highly recommended. Also, uh, it's going to sound silly, but Jimmy Gibbler is uh, one of the more exemplary characters to come out of the we have to rebuild the original show's magic. The actor is, of course, very attractive. So, you know, whatever. And he is unusually muscular for uh a character on a sitcom like it's almost distracting and they actually make some jokes about how distracting it is um but but his character is humbled by his anxiety and is stupid in a way that is uniquely intelligent i would like kind him of more to oz from buffy than anything i'd actually i'd actually say it's kind of like they poached cody from step by step in a lot of ways but with none of the wife beating. Yeah, and they made him hot, and they kept the stupid, and they made him related to a, a character who isn't the actual family. But he can marry in, and it closes a lot of gaps. I actually forgot Jimmy is in this one, so thank you for reminding me. Uh, it really is the fullest house it can possibly be in so many ways. Uh, so that's really cool. He and Danny thank have you a for couple making... of jokes at each other. They do. Thank you yeah. for making this episode even better. Oh my God. Oh, God Jimmy's bless. my favorite part of the show. I think Jimmy, uh, he has an anxiety scream. That is uh, the sound of my uh, inner bear. So Jimmy removing the skeeviness from Steve and the skeeviness from Fernando. Those are the things that made Fuller House the show that is like, yeah, yep. I tell everyone to watch it. It's that good. Not even sorry. But, uh, you don't even have to make excuses for the bottom two shows. Apparently I do, because they're dead. Uh, these are like back-to-back ABC family sitcoms that we love that just could not stay above above water. Uh, so amazing. Single Parents would be on its sixth season right now, which means the kids would be in sixth grade. And I want to know what stories we would be getting, because you know what? Uh, for first and second graders these kids were freaking hilarious it's so hard to get good child actors and really they found such an amazing ensemble of just the kids let alone such an amazing cast of adults wait a minute 
wait a minute. Hold the fucking phone. Is that Spider-Man writer Terry Killam? No, it's Taryn Killam. Good job, I though. knew I was going to get the name wrong. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, other than being Mr. Colby Smulders, uh, there it is. this guy has other connections to the world of the Marvel Universe in that they have given him his own Spider-Verse character. So few people actually get to write their own Spider-Verse character, let alone have other writers then reference that character. Uh, this was definitely... And didn't he uh, play the character in Across the Spider-Verse 2? So, like, goddamn, I wish I was married to Kobe Smulders, too. Whoa! He has a, a really great scene in which he shames himself by singing uh, Hamilton in the car. If you've ever wanted to know what it looks like if I sing Hamilton in the car, you can just watch this scene. Yeah, Will is definitely an eco, and that's beautiful. Uh, TK and I, TK and I are a little bit more Angie's. <laughs> that that's the face. That's um, the face, and then here's JoJo. Well, and one of the things that's great is that Miggy is polyamorous and bisexual, and it's a really interesting representation of modern adulthood as having a father, a single father be someone who is capable of not just having ongoing, you know, sexual relations, but they're non-traditional. I think that is a huge part of what is necessary on television right now. We need to keep seeing that idea of the paradigm shifting. It's not just that he's a single dad. He's a single dad who has a non-traditional sexuality. Normally that's reserved for bisexual white women played by Jerry Ryan. I don't have to come back for you. She's your girlfriend. Do you have anything? Jerry Ryan? No, I was talking to TK, not you. She's my girlfriend? Well, what you're is the your boy? show. Your boy is your. Okay. Your, yeah. Exactly. He gets mm. it. I'm gentle prized, I guess. You're responsible for all of Boy. He's responsible for all of DS9. I got Ooh, it. Okay. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll That's take Disco, show. I guess. It's fine. All right. Speaking of failures. <laughs> this and I, oh, I'm sure I talked about it at Halloween I'm sure I've talked about it since and I'm going to keep complaining about it through Christmas and forever they made us wait eight months to hear that this show was cancelled nine bizarre, cruel unkind, this was an adorable program, we love Topher Grace, Jimmy Tatro is, hot, is super hot Sashir Zamata is hysterical. Uh, this was such a loss. And, you know, one of the things that makes it so tough is that they were really responsible and respectful of one of the actresses being pregnant in the second season. Third. But that even, oh, third season, thank you. But that even means that, like, the third season is kind of like, I don't want to say compromised, but perhaps doesn't have the same energy of the full cast. And, you know, I am more than happy to say, you know, let's celebrate the idea that a show is incorporating a an actress's pregnancy. But then I'm kind of a little bit more shame on the studio that okayed that incorporation and then left everybody eight months on the wire. Uh, you know, that's like slowly venting in the gas and uh Watching the Jedi think they can get out very slowly and painfully, right? Why the, you know, why the trash compactor scene works is because it's short and quick, but home economics death. Uh, and, you know, I think if anything, the cast of home economics would appreciate the star Wars reference. Um, 
it just yeah, but really... the gas that's a phantom man menace reference i wasn't expecting that right um you know i think one of the things that this show did was it tried to incorporate uh being owned by disney really well so there's a lot of like funny marvel references uh topher grace's character says this thing about how like well so scarlet witch she's not actually magneto's daughter anymore and like i lost my shit at that moment uh i don't know home economics is an example of where there was not the proper marketing for the show and that led to everybody not having any idea what it was also i don't think the term home economics works for anybody outside of the age group of 45 and up anymore mm. and so. i also have to say uh this i hugely sang the praises of the child cast of single parents the kids were fine on this they were not it was the adults material. no it was Topher and it was Jimmy and it was all of the women and I am sad about this show for different reasons but... it's also the Timmy Chatro's voice but oh, it's no. he's, he's gonna land on his feet though Jimmy yeah Jimmy Tatro's voice is the sound of a really intense set of pecs flexing it's insane really truly what else you got? My last slide is two shows that each get two episodes. Uh, you, I, 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 I sort of thought I was going to go after you. And you also picked a Well and Grace episode that I uh, picked mine in response to. Because yours is wonderful, dramatic. And so I went with one that was a lot more iconic for me, which is season four's Movable Feast, which... Uh, you know, there really is something, too, as well, about this episode to me that speaks so to the New York, New Jersey experience that I know you and I both grew up in, where you had to travel to all these different families all on the one day, and you were the a-hole if you didn't do it, and oh, is it a headache, and so the fact that a recurring element of this episode is the fact that they have to go between all of these different places to try and make it back for their own Thanksgiving feast and seeing what a nightmare it is to try and fight all that Thanksgiving traffic uh, really is a delight. Amazing guest cast as well. Uh, Blythe Danner returning I believe at this point as Will's mom. Uh, Debbie Reynolds returning as Grace's mom. Uh, Bo Bridges appearing for the first time as Jack's stepdad. Nick Offerman appearing before he and Megan Mullally were married. Uh, Michael Angaro appearing as Jack's son. Like, oh my gosh, so many of these sitcoms. It's like they are exhaustive on the guest stars at times, aren't they? And like, you know, one of the things that I remember reading is that Will and Grace fancied itself a love boat. And they were like, oh, we've got all the guest stars. But, you know... Whether it's stuff like Hall and Oates appearing in is it the series finale? I think Hall and Oates are in the series finale. Or, um, you know, it's the share appearance of, you know, snap out of it. And then, you know, Jack fainting. I think oftentimes when you think about the guest stars in an episode of Will and Grace, you still just think about the episode of Will and Grace. You don't remember yeah. season eight, so who cares about Hall and Oates being on it? But you remember season three, so Cher being on it stands out in all of our memories. 
I get that. Ugh, there are no bad Thanksgiving episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. No, there aren't. And so it was another one where I sort of had to winnow down to make it to the eight-hour window. Uh, and again, another one where it is chock-a-block with guest characters. Uh, we have your mom's boyfriend here to play Amy Santiago's father for the first time. Bizarre. You're Santiago. I'm sure I've commented before, bizarre that this episode is called Mr. Santiago and not Captain when he is a captain. But that's fine. I also made sure to grab uh, this moment because Mr. Santiago and I share one of our favorite fonts. Garamond is a fantastic font. Uh, Cambria is fine too. Don't make fun of it, Jake. Uh, and also Bishop or uh, Crownfold. If it's not the Bishop, I'll kill myself. Uh, you know, and I think in regard to that, I just want to comment on a, a comment we got in the chat that I think, as silly as it sounds, you know, we were talking about the different sorts of queer experiences. And I think if you were to ask uh, Captain Holt the sort of queer experience he was looking for, he also would have uh, looked for what Candyman uh, would have had, you know, growing up in the LGBT community family in the 70s, 80s, 90s. I want a typical stereotypes family, um, which was strange rather than the atypical family that is more normal. Now, I think, uh, you know, Captain Holt as a character represents the old guard in a way that still says I have room for inclusive newness. But he would have been looking for that same sort of traditional Thanksgiving. And I think Mr. Santiago, as an episode, represents that sort of typical patriarchy that is... You know, even for a non-traditional person like Jake, who views Thanksgiving as an opportunity to uh, kind of be alone or maybe just be with his defined family, Mr. Santiago is a chance for him to try and embrace that idea of normalcy and engage with traditional family values at Thanksgiving, being a good new son-in-law. So this is a really great pick for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And the second pick that I went with for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you know, you don't think about Brooklyn Nine-Nine as being a show for, like, the art, really, truly. But uh, there's so many ways in which it is. And the second episode that I picked is in so many ways a sequel to the previous one. But it also picks up on so many of the themes that you're talking about. We're going back to the first season. Jake talks about how he does not enjoy Thanksgiving because he didn't have a family. Uh, he didn't have happy experiences. And so then three Thanksgiving episodes later in the fifth season, we see the first ever meeting of his and his fiance's parents. Again, we are chock-a-block with guest actors, with having Jimmy Smith, as well as the returning Bradley Whitford and the returning Katie Seagal as Jake's parents. And it really brings full circle so many of the things that he talked about in that first episode, that first season episode. And ties together so many of those themes of family and him sort of overcoming the idea that, you know, there are a lot of ways in which this episode is a friggin' nightmare. You, for the last episode, quoted from this one, one of our favorite interactions, which is seeing Jake's and Amy's dad try to out-toast each other, which, folks, folks, if you're not married, please know that real things like this happen. That's my dad. Yes, it's it is. My dad. It's literally my dad. I and felt my dad weird, is felt a weird. And sick. my dad is definitely Jake's dad, saying stuff like "dude" when you just want him to be an actual fucking father. Yup, 
Uh, the nightmare is real, and I really applaud Jake and Amy for fixing it with alcohol, something we did not think to do at the time. And now we just hang out with your family, and everything's fine. So it's all good. Down to the improv scatting. Yeah, and yeah. no one had to lose a thumb. So... Uh, you know, but just to comment on your point earlier about how unusual it is that the previous episode is called Mr. Santiago. Uh, you know, Jake's dad is also a captain, but he's a captain as a pilot. And that episode is called Captain Peralta. That's so why, unusual. yeah. Yeah, that's a really great point. <clears throat> but so that's my list. Uh, it is mostly episodes. Uh, what do you think? Did I, I love good? it. What's your think, favorite one? Uh, I have to say, in terms of the assignment, um, I am probably leaning more toward the Brooklyn's or something like the Fuller House. I'm really leaning toward like the Thanksgiving of it. Yeah. Uh, it's why I really, really, really did love that you included uh, Son-in-Law. Uh, I thought your slide was the next one. It's yours. yours. That's not how the alphabet works. Uh, but I love that you included that because, yes, really, truly, other than the setup of these characters getting to know each other for the first few months of college, uh, the bulk of that film is centered around Thanksgiving. And yep. there are so few comedies at all mm -hmm. in the first place. Everything is so dramatic, usually. Uh, so having stuff like that was really cool and so having ones that actually center around the holiday itself is very cool heck yeah love it what do you think captain are you uh are you all ready to go yeah let's take a look at uh my eight hour recommendation all right promise it won't take eight hours um you know when it comes down to what we do around Thanksgiving, <laughs> for me, it's usually get the house ready for family. So I went with things to do while you're doing other shit. And uh, number one, you probably got to rake leaves and get outside ready, put up Christmas lights and decorations. And while you're doing that, you might want some music to listen to. Now, if you're looking for some festive holiday music, it turns out there's none. So don't bother looking for it. Instead, at Thanksgiving, you have two choices, Sousa marches and jazz. Now, I myself am not an 1840s dandy, so I chose jazz, and that meant the Charlie Brown Christmas, uh, I'm sorry, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving record. Reason for that is actually why I defaulted and almost said Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, it's because there are no Thanksgiving records, my friends. Right. Uh, there's just not a whole lot of records that are like, it's that special family giving time sponsored by Purdue. There's just not a lot of jams for it. So uh, you kind of got to get what you can get. And uh, Vince Gualdi gave every single Charlie Brown animated special a one-of-a-kind 65-year-old, uh, perhaps, person of color feel that I uh, definitely thought that everything should have had as a kid. Because uh, other than this, it was a lot of very plain uh, white people music. So uh, the idea of jazz and explorations of jazz uh, becoming a part of the American holiday scheme, even if it was not done by voices of color, it does lead to the incorporation of the identity of voices of color into our holiday traditions. And so I'm very grateful that a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving soundtrack has led to so many lo-fi jazz stations on YouTube mm. 
Uh, it really is something that there isn't really Thanksgiving music, but we have seen jazz and sort of a sense of American classicism uh, fill that void. And uh, I am grateful for it and uh, for celebrating the, div uh, the diverse creators of color that created it. Uh, that said, let's talk about a white guy who um, sometimes dresses like uh, a Harajuku girl, like he's in a flock of seagulls. Uh, BT's This Binary Universe is a response to the triptych work of these machines. There's these hopeful machines, these humble machines, and these reimagined machines. These humble machines is a record that represents what if every BT, every BT song was a single, these hopeful machines are what if every bt song was a bt song yeah i got it right was a an eight to ten minute reimagining uh that allowed him to explore all of the electronic music that he is so famous for whether it's uh tori Amos's blue skies her first dance number one or it's uh nsync's pop uh you know this guy is responsible for the stutter edit that uh fills joe's stutter remix yes um, you know, BT is a guy who would go on to write 14 hours of music for Shanghai Disney's uh, Tomorrowland. So, you know, it's a guy who's pretty significant. And he also, you know, is kind of the modern, the modern visionary behind uh, hyper electric dance music uh, for pop stars uh, around 2006. But from there, he would go on to uh, create a lot of synthesized kind of ethereal music, music that is based on sounds from around his house uh, and more. Now, he's had a number of records in this vein. If the stars are eternal, why aren't you and I? Um, but this binary universe for me represents the high point of this. And it's an album about being kind of thankful to existence in the universe. There's a lot of incredible pieces of music on here. Um, I think the standout is uh, 1.618, but I think, it, you know, at any point you can kind of listen to this. It's very meant to be rep uh, kind of repetitive, very um, about feeling the energy of the moment. I really recommend giving a listen to this if you're doing something like a, a regular task, like either decorating for Christmas or uh, raking leaves. Uh, if for no other reason, I think this binary universe celebrates the gratefulness of the mundanity of life. And uh, I think at Thanksgiving, that's a really lovely thing to keep in your mind and your heart. Um, the bummer documentary that goes along with it about like the death of his dog, probably not for me. But uh, this no. binary universe, the record, 75 minutes, I would never trade for anything. Something you really... Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, good. I think a really solid, like, I'm going to spend some time getting either the house prepped maybe doing some meal prep or as you said outside raking leaves just a very good autumn album it's a very relaxing one something you said that always stuck with me uh is that you would really love to see bt do the score for doctor who which mm. uh i'll never stop hearing i feel like uh the previous composer did a lot of very similar ambient work but uh Never went as hard, and I think BT could definitely do something between that and the bombacity and action-adventure of Murray Gold. Uh, yeah, this is an artist that, you know, I don't necessarily always go to for myself, but, like, it's never a question of, do you mind if I put on BT? Like, no. Uh, I, I might not want something that's of the more pulse-pounding end of his oeuvre, 
uh, like the fast and furious score yeah but you know just the general overall dreamy ethereal stuff uh from his work yeah uh such an amazing brilliant composer i and being someone who more prefers film and television score i just would love to see him do more of that i need to listen to more of that uh space mountain music that he did yeah or his uh oscar nominated score for monster starring charlize mm. theron right um you know he's just a very talented man and a big fan um if you can only check out two records i would say this binary universe and electronic opus uh that's the two i believe those are the two that are out of print so fuck me but whatever uh, uh, uh oh Absolutely. Man says that he still has a Snoopy Christmas album with the Royal Scots Guard still on LP vinyl. That is art, my friend. You preserve that. That's beautiful. Uh, speaking of things that actually are preserved. So, uh, like I said, a lot of Food Network's uh, holiday Thanksgiving programming is long gone. But they managed to keep the uh, ultimate Thanksgiving challenge on there. I recommend writing holiday cards or doing some meal planning while you uh, watch this. If for no other reason, I'm going to level with you. Chiara De Laurentiis is like, I, I look, she, I'm, I think sometimes about how the only reason Alan Moore and Grant Morrison haven't destroyed each other with sorcerous magic is because they respect each other. And I think in terms of being big smile fake bitches, Giada De Laurentiis and I are Grant Morrison and Alan Moore. Right? Um, so I would never come for her on television because I believe our powers are equal in that regard. But if there was a Frau Totenkinder of uh, Food Network, it would be uh, Giada De Laurentiis. And I think she might actually be a dark sorceress of Thanksgiving. And so do not fuck with her at her time of power. Um, yeah, I didn't notice that typo on that slide that says mean plan. And I think she did that now. So I do too, actually. Great catch. Um, Carla Hall is like actually uh, one of my heroes. Like as a person, like I grew up obsessed with her because of top chef and uh sharing her with you know jonah is something that meant so much to me and now cornicelli like this is the third time i'm bringing her up this week on this show she's the fucking fucking she's literally iron chef she literally is fucking iron chef like that's not a joke title when you oh, have air? like she won i'm joking oh. you said she's literally Oh, I was like, no, she won Iron Chef, Kevy. Like, <laughs> Iron Chef, Iron Chef does whatever, and Iron Chefs. Um, I recommend watching these two seasons while you do other stuff because there's just no way you can give this show your full attention. If for no other reason, uh, the I'm sorry about it, guys, but the super hot bear in the middle uh, keeps calling hey. every guy baby uh, when he talks to them, <laughs> but like in like a Dean Martin's gonna fuck you in the bathroom way. <laughs> romantic that's alex cornicelli that's like the love of my life she to me always looks like a casey wilson character yes mm -hmm. uh, yep. casey wilson always. would play her so beautifully yeah. with okay. such love um she is a no bullshit i am not here to put up with your impatience but like i'm also like a nice human she is uh yeah she is a rare breed on food network she seems actually genuine she nice. does, but she sometimes gives really weird critiques. Mm. 
she gives critiques like she went to like uh mcdonald's university not like yeah uh, the culinary university it's a lot of like i accept that this is what just happened but this gives me nothing to go on for the next challenge completely uh but you know i've watched uh all seven episodes of this i love it very much i understand why they can't do it right god she just really looks evil um, yeah. So many of them are so short too, and that's what makes so many of them such great <coughs> holiday viewing. And like, they go down so fast. And frankly, if you just watch them as enough background noise, you can watch them repeatedly. Like, I don't remember what happened on most of the ones we watched last year. We could watch them again. And that's kind of the magic of these, like. You pick up something different each time. Maybe you like a contestant this time. Or you get an idea for a recipe next time. Oh, I never would have thought to combine yeah. ingredients. And like I that's... forgot about that recipe. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just recommend keeping this as like background noise. Something that just kind of passed the time. While you're doing something else, uh, you know, frankly, more holiday important. And speaking of holiday important, there is nothing more holiday important than taking a little time to sit back and smoke the shit out of some weed. Because what's going to happen is your family is going to come over. And if you're lucky and your cousins are your best friends, like me, I'm very lucky. My cousin Mike is like the best part of my every single holiday in the universe. Um, you're, you're, you know, you're fine. But uh, even when you have a cousin Mike, you probably have six or seven cousin other name here. And when that cousin who might bring over their spouse this year comes over, you want to be nice and toasty. And to get toasty, you want to laugh. So when you're laughing, you probably want to put on something good, right? For me, the Thanksgiving comedy is highs and lows in the mid 80s. When I think about Will and Grace, I think about how the entire show for me is Deborah Messing's emotional core as Grace. You can keep your Karen. You can keep your Jack. They are the least funny part of the show for me. The whole show for me is Deborah Messing's goddamn Falstaffian core de force. And this episode, that moment in the rain in front of Gristides, I wanted to have fights with you kevo in front of gristides in the oh i'm sure you did so many i know I you my try love to pick fights with you in the I city know. we did in the we rain have. just to have this moment because we there had a christine's fight this morning man god we, we... really did there is nothing more romantic than deborah messing in the fucking rain and uh i you know there's that moment how about your will because I'm the I'm the You're demented Grace, Grace. I know. Um, and uh, TK is our Karen, and uh, JoJo is our Jack. But uh, yeah, okay, that fits. You know, whether it's Eric McCormick running in those boxer briefs, uh man, or it's really truly remembering that moment when Grace describes her first kiss with that guy when she was in eighth grade. As he just brushed his teeth, but not too recently, like it wasn't one of those Colgate kisses. And there's something so honest about about Eric McCormick's laugh in response, like he just heard the line for the first time. I don't know. 
I don't think every episode of Will and Grace is perfect, but when they are perfect romance, my God, it's like watching Minnie and Mickey Mouse. It really is. They are just so Will... perfectly romantic together. And this is the best episode in the universe for it. Will and Grace is one of those shows that wanted to be a lot of things, but was never really sure exactly what it wanted to be on the regular. And they happened to look into some such amazingly talented actors that it's why they kept going back to this well. And this episode is one that is so emblemic of such a Will and Grace thing where the framing... The framing device of this episode is such a Seinfeld concept that they are waiting for a table. And they encounter this young woman who they overhear talking about her boyfriend having certain traits. And so what starts as an attempt to help out this woman turns into this frame for telling this whole element of the backstory of Will and Grace's whole relationship. And become so dramatic that, as Nico says, there is there is a fight both in the past and in the present about these events. And Will and Grace started to get uh, reactions from critics for pulling moments like this and started doing them more and more to the point where uh, one of the biggest ones that turned us both off as fans was like halfway through the show. So... Uh, I do just want to point out, this is the episode that won Eric McCormick his Emmy. Yes, he's, it did. He submitted this episode, and he should, because Deserve it. Uh, this episode, he captured something that as a young gay man, uh, admittedly much younger than Will is, so much more diffused than that. I remember trying to trying to capture, um, you know, Kevo, that image is so incredible, because if I'm not mistaken... That is uh, Sarah Rue. Yes, uh, thank you. That is, uh, I almost said Debbie, Debbie Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. Debbie Allen is the queen that uh, choreographed fame. And is that Martina Navratilova? I was going to ask you the same question. Hey! I believe it I is. Believe it and is that's Martina, the joke yes. I was straight she when I turned met Marti- Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't remember exactly if it was that or like Billie Jean I King. I love Stan but, Walker! Um, the first ever out lesbian in the WNBA uh, was from my town, I believe. Oh, that's I amazing. I would need to fact check that. But uh, yeah, uh, but lesbians. Uh, it even gave backstory for Karen in this one in a bizarre way uh, that really tried to remind you. But this is a comedy and silly stuff happens on this show, too. They just wanted to be everything. The other thing I want to say that this episode did that is significant is it explored the reality of the emotional responsibility of being somebody's older queer. Even though Jack is in the clearly submissive position to Will, he believes as Will's sort of coming out father that he has a special bond with Will. And while he does, this does highlight the idea that not every queer person has that romantic bond. I do believe there is romance between Will and Jack. And in a world where they were on a plane where Karen and uh, Grace were both beheaded by a shard of glass in front of them, I think they could have wound up together on that desert island. But uh, outside of some horrifying nightmare lost scenario involving oceanic nightmare airways, 
they're not going to wind up together. But this episode, in a really... world where they could have better portrayed that complicated a relationship uh, without confusing straight people, they would have done more. Yes. And I even believe that they could have been like awesome boom boom buddies. Like legitimately, I think Will has some I'm gonna fuck you really aggressively stuff that Jack would be into. I don't know that it would do so much for Will. But that's even the kind of sexual stuff in a relationship that I, I think that this show was not ready to present uh NBC in the nineties and two thousands. And uh I just want to point out TK's insidious sneer. Like I just fed him a shit sub. Um, okay, I'm gonna take us out of this into my last thing. Uh, well, which oh, if I may first respond to uh, Candyman's comment, which I actually do, I've, I've been sitting on it because I actually know what he's talking about. And he commented, "When I was in the USA, they did movie and dinner, which was the strangest thing I'd ever seen. It was a 90 minute movie spread oh, over yeah, three hours." With every ad break showing how to cook food. Yeah. And with the movie then shown uh, some commercial and break the movie. uh, And and he's asking if they do this for Thanksgiving as well. I don't know. That was that was a series. Yeah. That was going on for. uh, It was every weekend. I don't remember how long it went on for. I don't remember if it's still going on. Uh, But yeah, no, I also remember this program. I I, it it was the weirdest thing. TBS. It was TBS on TNT. Oh, yes. Uh, I wonder if they did a Thanksgiving special and maybe that's what uh, he's responding to. Uh, that was just a show. And I'm sure they did holiday specials when the holiday warranted it. Uh, it looks like they did Christmas thing. episode, but I don't think they ever did a Thanksgiving one. Maybe they should. I don't know. But yeah, no, that that wasn't that's that is not emblemic of Thanksgiving. It is simply emblemic of one of the many ways that you can celebrate Thanksgiving. Uh there are so many ways that you can perform and uh, show your love and enthusiasm for the holiday season. Um, well, and I think that's even like what I think some of the magic of the stuff we've already highlighted is really about. I think one of the things that we see through so many of these things is it's about this big explosive love of kind of like putting the holidays on display and the way we kind of have to be different people at the holidays. TK, you put up the biggest hands you've ever put on the show. You know who the final lady host of dinner in a movie was from 2005 to through 2011. Janet Varney. Like Varney's wife. The voice of Cora. Cora. Oh, I'm that like, was it. That was one of the things she was famous for, actually. If I'm not mistaken, she did a lot of weird uh, VJ stuff like that. Oh so, my god! Yeah. And I thought it was Samantha B. So that makes like visually some amount of like in my head the preview channel sense. Yeah, I. That is amazing. I love yeah. that. And you know, I've really loved our look at Thanksgiving. It has been. So exciting to go over this like 24 hours of amazing coverage of material. So like, I think one of the things that is so special about Thanksgiving is that we've kind of reappropriated it as Friendsgiving. And I love that we took this time to like create this. uh, Okay. No pause question. Do we think Friendsgiving is a response to the friends Thanksgiving episode? Uh, response no i think 
the Friends Thanksgiving episode made it more culturally acceptable to worry less about getting home to a family that made you miserable when again it's a it's a four-day weekend which is great but it's a lot if you have a if you have a job if your family is any more than like hop on a train an hour or two away then you're losing one day already to travel uh you know depending on how old you are what's going on with your family you are uh stuck in your childhood bedroom that isn't comfortable anymore you're maybe confronted with a lot of family members you don't like extended family members you don't particularly like and as we got older the idea that you should just put yourself through that out of some obligation uh I think was something we all really wanted to break out of. And I really give uh, Gen Xers some credit for pushing back on a lot of that. And, you know, having things like the friends all doing Thanksgiving together rather than going home, I think just gave us one of a number of cultural impressions that we all needed to kind of embrace that. Every year I tell my family, you know, every I we we don't do Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Day because every time we try to, it just gets too messy and it becomes too complicated. And, you know, I don't I nobody feels bad about that anymore. Uh, and I think I owe a lot of that to just like cultural institutions slowing down off the idea that that's something we need to do. I think there's definitely an element in which it was influenced. Um, you know, so many things were just influenced by French culture as a whole. You know, it was Beatlemania. Um, right. But that's like saying the Beatles are responsible for all of the 60s and 70s, though. They right. weren't. They were just hugely influential and uh, part of the culture that was happening at the time. And so I think uh, it just made it easier to see the word friends to attach there. But uh, it was really mostly just uh, an example of what was going on in the culture. Well, and like when we did our friends watch this year, I was surprised at the fact that there was no Thanksgiving like friends Thanksgiving play football episode in episode in season one. I was like really surprised that it wasn't a tradition that was set in the first season. No, it really didn't start becoming a tradition until like after the third and fourth season, they really latched onto Thanksgiving as a concept. Well, I think we've done an amazing job laying out 24 phenomenal hours of Thanksgiving content. Some of it, you know, directly related to the bird day and some of it maybe perhaps a little bit more off topic, but still generally related to that atmosphere of feeling thankful and pulling together your found family to celebrate Thanksgiving. And I've had an amazing time with this 24-hour list. Is there anything that anybody feels like they left off their list or they missed that they wish they could have added? You know, me, I think looking over some of the lists we've had, I maybe wish there was like a Thanksgiving episode of Golden Girls or yeah, maybe I'll use uh, one for the money with the gun and stuff, a chicken, and I'll just pretend that it's a Thanksgiving banquet, not a wedding. I, oh, I'll use um, I'll use uh, turkey lurkey. There you go. Oh, yeah. Okay. That one I will actually give you, but I was going to say, if you're just doing any dinner, 
you're wrapping this back around to the top of the episode where we said there's some stuff where they're just like, they had dinner, so it counts. Um, yeah. It's really funny. There's actually one of the Modern Family Thanksgiving episodes is the opposite, where I was looking at the list, and I turned to you, and I was like, do you remember this episode where these five things happen? Do you remember that's a Thanksgiving episode? Because they barely <laughs> talked about it. But the name of the episode is literally Winner, Winner, Turkey Dinner, because it's Thanksgiving. So sometimes it can even be meant to be a holiday episode, and people just forget. It's just in the background. Oh, yeah. So... So much of holiday viewing is what you make of it. And I think that's even really what I was saying with like, you know, you could add something like the episode of uh, Golden Girls that features Turkey Lurkey, uh, which it's really just Chicken Little or uh, you know, what do they call it there? Henny Penny, which is evidently Chicken Little. Uh, it's just one of them is like the copyright name and one of them is like the public domain name. Right. So, you know, uh, you could add it, but it's not, you know, it's not technically Thanksgiving by any stretch. I think for me, uh, there's there's not much off the top of my head that I would want to add. It's more stuff that I wish existed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I I wish there was a Doctor Who episode where they travel to America for some kind of Thanksgiving. I wish Parks and Rec and 30 Rock had had Thanksgiving episodes. <gasps> Does 30 uh, Rock really not have a Thanksgiving episode? Not really. Not really. Uh, there's a few references to things. I think there's like a couple episodes that take place around Thanksgiving or there's mention of like, I have to get home for Thanksgiving this year, but not like not. And, you know, nobody is planning the meal. Liz doesn't have uh, a comedy of errors attempting to create the right. Thanksgiving meal. You know, I, I think it would have been great to have one where, they all ultimately have to sit down in the writer's room and have Thanksgiving there uh, in a way that is like very sweet, but also like not what anybody intended. And for some reason, Jack Donaghy of all people is eating with the 30 rock writers rather than just paying an extravagant amount of money for his penthouse mansion or, you know, penthouse uh, apartment to have Thanksgiving delivered to it. Um, so anyway, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of shows like that. There's not really a Star Trek Thanksgiving episode, but I would imagine that is a holiday that has in some way persevered. Um, you know, like that's something, even if it doesn't exist in the Star Trek future, it's something I could see like the, the crew of Voyager having wanted to celebrate because they were far away from earth and wanting to recognize it. So there's a lot of things where I'm like, oh man, I really wish that had had a Thanksgiving episode, but, uh, none of them do. Uh, I, the first thing I Googled, um, cause I was like, I feel like I maybe remember this, but maybe I'm just totally wrong was I had thought there's just some brief inkling in my mind that there was a magician's Thanksgiving episode. And, uh, that's one I would have loved to see them produce. It does feel very them to right? tell and stuff something, doesn't it? Yeah. And you know, for the, the physical kids to use that cottage for a while yeah. Thanksgiving. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I, I I hope that all of the many producers and showrunners and people that pitch shows who watch our show will take inspiration from this and pitch some really good Thanksgiving episodes in the coming years. We'd love to see it. Well, until we come back tomorrow, Talk about some of the TV that you know we love to talk about, plus some new shows which we cannot wait to bring you. Uh, we've had an amazing time bringing you this 24-hour marathon, 
And we can't wait to bring you more. So, uh, Kevo, you have done such an amazing job producing this show. Thank you so much for all of those incredible slides showing all of our amazing picks. Uh, it just would not be the same without you and your vision for this show. Thanks. I, I like what I do. I like our show. I love I love broadcasts like this where we get to uh, bring sort of a potpourri of the things that we love to the peoples and uh, find things that we are often surprised that we didn't know that we had in common. Uh, didn't know we were all such big pan fans of Pauly Shore. Uh, so maybe that'll be an episode upcoming. Who knows? Sure thing. Uh, and... You can find me pitching Sure Thing over on the socials at Kevo Really. Uh, Teak, what uh, next project are you going to pitch due to this episode? Oh, gosh. Uh, I think I'm going to pitch uh, just a 24-hour Thanksgiving marathon, by which I mean we start at midnight uh, and we just detail our entire day getting through Thanksgiving all the way till midnight that night. I love that you and I both just assumed. Yeah, you you both went. I, yeah, just eating for twenty four hours. No, I mean like hours. you know the first uh, five to six hours just sleeping, and then you know wake up, stretch, do my gym routine. Then I get to cooking. You know that's where the show really picks up. So uh, well, the people will let you know by next year if that's what they want, and you definitely can do. Let him you know. find me at TK Elemental and tell me that you just want to watch twenty four hours of my life on the day of Thanksgiving. Nico, how about you? What do you got for a pitch? Uh, you guys can find me all over Nico Action. That's my internet handle for everybody back in 1991, right? Uh, you can find me all over the Soch at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Uh, I've even switched over my SoundCloud. So that's over at Nico Action now too. Uh, all one brand. Uh, the song that was debuted tonight is my uh, in-demo mix of uh, Somnambulist by BT. That's Brian Transo, uh, but uh, I will do a better job. Transo, take a look at that in the future. Uh, until next time, uh, we love making the show for you, and we are so thankful for our fans. Between now and Thanksgiving, we have at least two more episodes, so you're not done with us yet. Uh, we got tons of leftovers coming your way. But until then, three things. Number one, got to stay safe, gobble, gobble. Number two, you got to uh, be brave. Um, I don't know what other noise uh, turkeys make. And number three, evolve daily covered in gravy, stuffing or whatever. Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll see you. I love gravy. 